0: So we've got a fantastic guest coming up for you tonight, Joe Montaldo, who is a co-founder and spokesperson for the International Community for Alien Research, is going to be here. Pretty cool name for an organization. And I just love talking to Joe Montaldo, so that's going to be really, really cool coming up after the bottom of the hour break. And I hope everyone out there had a good Fourth of July, and I hope everybody has all their fingers still, and that nobody blew off a finger. Um, but wow, CNN is not, they did not have a very good Fourth of July. And you know what? We need to talk about this. What we need to talk about is the First Amendment. And I know regular listeners of the program are familiar with me saying that I love my country. Many people out there probably wonder why, because nowadays it's quite fashionable to say uh, that everything is wrong with America, and I just don't, I'm just not on that bandwagon. And there's one principal reason why, and that reason is the First Amendment. In this country, we can say things, we can say anything we want, we can especially say Things about our government that we don't like, right? That is what it is to be American. It's totalitarian regimes that take people down for saying things against the establishment, and we don't do that here in this country. You don't have to worry about someone coming in your house and taking you away because you said something that the big boys in charge don't like, all right. Well, you may have heard about this by now, and it's there's so many things wrong with what CNN did. I hardly know where to begin, uh, but I will find a place to begin. So you probably have heard about this. Um, well, it started with President Trump posting his... Uh, Pretty funny satirical tweet of him taking down CNN um, in a short little meme video. And it wasn't even CNN, it's just their logo, right? And little kids, nine, ten years old, can go and see WWE wrestling. I mean, it's not uh, gory, it is a little bit violent, sure. But I don't think Trump's tweet was specifically calling for violence on reporters the way CNN thinks that it was. It was a joke. Come on. Now, what Kathy Griffin did was gory and disgusting and did seem to imply violence. What Trump did here uh, is admittedly not exactly presidential, uh, but he's not a traditional politician. And so he posted a funny tweet. Well, CNN did not like it. They did not like it so much that they actually let me use CNN's own words Um, in CNN's own words. uh, Well, (laughs) oh, my gosh, I just cannot believe any of this. I really just cannot believe any of this. They went after the guy who originally made the gif. Well, and uh, forced him an apology. Uh, Here we go. The apology came after CNN's K-File identified the man. Uh, The funniest thing about this whole thing is the guy who made the GIF's uh, screen name, Han A-Hole Solo. (laughs) And I'm not going to be able to say his name without laughing tonight. Um, Okay, so the apology came after CNN's K-File identified the man behind Han A-Hole Solo uh, using identifying information. That he posted on Reddit. Kfile was able to determine key biographical details to find the man's name using a Facebook search and ultimately corroborate details he had made available on Reddit. So they put their money, their time, and their resources into going after a private American citizen for what that private American citizen said. I really want that to sink in. Uh, This is not what America is about. And by the way, on 4th of July, the day we celebrate our independence and our freedom in this country, this could not have gone worse for CNN. Uh, And so what they did is they tracked this guy down. Now, there's all kinds of rumors about the guy. Uh, Some people say he's 15 years old. Other people say, no, he's not. He's actually working on his doctorate right now. Uh, So I don't know. But... You don't do this to American citizens. This is not done in our country. That's part of what makes the United States the United States. And our forefathers knew that. Our founding fathers knew that. Because in other countries, you are punished for what you say. And now being a broadcaster, this means even more to me. That that we absolutely take this seriously, these kind of actions seriously. This is very important. Um, so, okay, I don't know, there's a few things here I want to get to. Um, so they tracked down the guy that made a video they didn't like, and then, well, they reported on it, and quite proudly, actually. And in a video segment explains that they work to identify the creator of the video, Noted that he was a user on Reddit, and then they reported um, about the Anti-Defamation League surveying this user's posts, finding a constant record of racism, anti-Semitism, and bigotry, and that this individual traffics in online hatred and, at times, violent rhetoric. But they provide no proof of that. We're just supposed to trust them. That they found this. Now, I saw some of the uh, posters on a whole solo, some of the other things that he had posted, and they were anti-Semitic, which I find kind of disgusting, Uh, but that doesn't prevent him from saying it. You know, I've gotten some pretty ugly messages myself in the course of the short time I've been hosting this show. Um, I've gotten uh, people that say, well, you know, next time you have an NDE, why don't you just go ahead and finish it off and just die all the way? Yeah, that's an ugly thing to say. But I'm not going to track that person down by their IP address, hold a gun to their head and make them publicly apologize because that's not what you do in this country. So a news organization... Is asking us to trust them when they have already proven themselves to be untrustworthy. And then, uh, then, in their own words, the apology came after CNN's K file identified the man, um, Again, using his information that they sort of corroborated between social um, networking pro- uh, platforms, and then on Monday, K file attempted to contact the man by email and phone, but he did not respond. On Tuesday, he posted his apology on the subreddit The Donald and deleted all of his other posts. Wow, really? Well, you know, I have the CNN article over here that says the apology came after. CNN's crack team got in touch with him. So CNN can't even keep their own lies straight in all of this. (sighs) Now, here's where it takes a very creepy... Creepy turn for the worse. Uh, And again, this is CNN's own words. CNN is not publishing Han A. Solo's name because he is a private citizen who has issued an extensive statement of apology, which, in my opinion, was not written by him. It really looks like something written by a lawyer or, I don't know, a journalist, maybe. Uh, showed his remorse by saying he has taken down all of his offending posts and because he said he is not going to repeat this ugly behavior on social media again. In addition, he said his statement could serve as an example to others not to do the same. So what is CNN really trying to do here? Shut down internet trolling? Uh, Good luck with that. It's not going to happen. And what they've actually done has now unleashed a meme storm like they have never seen before. There are more anti-CNN memes of Donald Trump uh, taking a kick to CNN than there ever were before. And they're much worse than the original meme um, that was posted I just, this is unbelievable. And by the way, um, so in all of these months and months and months on end of the Russian collusion investigation, uh, they can't find any proof, but they can find some Redditor in two days. Gosh, you know, it just seems a little disproportionate. And, uh, you know, to me, this is just the thought police. This is just the CNN thought police are going to come and get you unless you behave. And then now we get to the most disturbing aspect of this entire case, which is CNN reserves the right to publish his identity should any of this change in regard to the original poster's um, apology, right? So, now you've got one American who, if he steps out of line, according to CNN, they are going to release his identity, probably where he lives, uh, who knows what else, and then what will happen? What will happen to this guy? I mean, I get it. I don't like people posting ugly things, uh, but what's ugly to me is not ugly to another person. You cannot... (sighs) Not in America. What's happening here is CNN is holding a private citizen's safety and his family's safety hostage for speech that CNN doesn't like. And again, that's what's done in totalitarian regimes, not in the United States and not on the 4th of July of all days. Couldn't they have waited till the 5th or the 6th at least to do something like this? My God, no. No, no, no! I don't think so. CNN reserves the right to publish his identity. Should any of that change? Well, guess what? I tweeted out an anti-CNN meme. So go ahead and come and find me, CNN. And so have thousands and thousands of other people. So go ahead and you, you know what? You can't find all of us. What are you going to do? Uh, come and spank everyone who doesn't like CNN unless we behave? According to your definition of behave? Uh, no. CNN, you need to figure out what country this is. Because we do not put up with this kind of thing. I just, this is unbelievable. Just unbelievable. You know, and if I was the original poster, if I was Han A-Hole Solo, I'd come out, I'd preempt them. I'd come out. With my own, um, you know, who knows, he may have little kids in his house and maybe that's why he doesn't want to do that. But if I were him, I'd come out and I'd publish, I'd dox myself and say, all right, CNN, now you got nothing. Now what are you going to do? And again, they can go ahead and, uh, and come after everybody. And here's some tweets uh, that have come out. From some other people in regard to this. And by the way, a little note about Twitter right now. Uh, If you go to the hashtag CNN blackmail and you put that in and you go to follow all the tweets that are coming in, you're getting tweets just about every microsecond. And yet it is not a trending topic. They've taken it away from the trending topics list. And there are other ones that come up, other trending uh, hashtags about this incident coming up. And as soon as they come up on the trending topics list, they just mysteriously disappear. So what is going on with you, Twitter? Who's paying you exactly? Uh, So here we go. Bunch of tweets coming uh, about all of this uh, from Scott Greer. The CNN threat shows the primary concern of the establishment media is policing the public. Policing the public. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, Rock Princess said CNN holds a gun to some random guy's head because they cannot contain their hatred for Trump. Unbelievable. Uh, Scott Taylor, CNN, you basically coerce an apology and then threaten to release the identity if something changes. Pretty sure a line is being crossed here, and I'd have to agree with that. Um, And another person, NJJDB, said, well, I wonder how their anonymous sources feel right now. Yeah, because who is the champion of the unnamed source but CNN? CNN. You know, it really makes me wonder if they haven't done this before. And what did they say to this poor guy to make him come out with such an apology, such a lengthy apology? What in the world did they say to this guy? Because he not only made a quote-unquote apology, he took down all of his posts on Reddit. What in the world did they say to him? And what about all of their other sources? What do they say to them? Mike god Uh, and uh, here's another tweet from Leslie and I want to jump into the phones because I'm getting some calls about this Uh, here this from Leslie P on Twitter said the root problem is the instinct in the CNN newsroom that led them to dedicate resources to going after the guy who made that meme Um, yeah and it makes you wonder you know gosh how many times have they done this to people because it seemed rather easy for them To find one internet poster in a couple of days when, I don't know, how long has the Russian thing been talked about since November 8th? And they can't come up with one shred of evidence to prove that there was Russian collusion. Well, there's plenty of evidence out there to show that the Democratic National Committee, uh, well, they shot their own selves in the foot by pushing Bernie Sanders aside and propping up Hillary Clinton. Nobody talks about that. They just simply had a bad candidate. And they can't come to terms with the fact that they won. And so what? They think they're going to turn the United States now into a totalitarian regime? Uh, I don't think so. I seriously don't think so. And uh, Rush Limbaugh came out today and said, well, this is the end of CNN. Well, it may or may not be the end of them, but I tell you what, it's the end of anybody trusting anything they have to say, anything at all. And in this country, we are absolutely free to do that. And as soon as I get off the air, I will go find myself some more CNN memes, some tasteful ones, if I can find them. Because now there's so many being created, many of them are are a lot less than tasteful now. And I will tweet just as many of them as I please, because this is the United States, and we can do that. And people can say horrible things about me. They can absolutely do that. That's their right to do that. I can feel any way I want about it. Uh, It doesn't stop them from being able to say what it is they want to say. Uh, Let's jump into the phones here. I want to see what's on your mind about this. While we've got some time here online, well, it would help if I turned on the wrong channel or turned up the right channel online. One, you're on the air. Welcome to the show. Hello, Miss Wade. Hello. Hello there. Did did you uh, by any chance watch last season of South Park? Uh, No, I, I haven't had a chance. I am way behind on my South Park.
1: The whole season was about internet trolls. Oh, was this it? Is out of,
0: this is straight out of last season's South Park. Really? Really? Well, yeah. what, do you, what do you think about this? Uh, let me, let's put you in the position of this internet poster. If somebody from CNN started calling you up and saying, well, we're going to publicly release your identity to millions and millions and millions of people unless you behave, how would you respond to that?
1: I'd probably call Fox News. <laughs> you know, let's let them know what's going on. Yeah. Just feed, feed everything to them, everything they say. Maybe get a lawyer.
0: A lot of people are recommending that this poster um, get a lawyer. and And if I were him, I'd do the same thing, too. Lawyers out there must be looking at this and just salivating. Just oh, yeah. salivating. I mean, this is a very easy case to win. This is coercion. Anyway, that's America in the 21st century. Uh, Well, you know, we're not going to let that happen in this country, not on my watch, uh, and not on a lot of people's watches. The thing um, that warms my heart is that there are so many people out there recognizing how wrong this is and coming out to speak out against it. And the other thing that's quite beautiful about this whole thing is CNN is doing this to themselves. (laughs) I mean, that's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, it's just solid comedy. Hey, yes, I'll, I'll talk to you later, Miss Wade. Appreciate I the call. I thank you for calling in. Um, yeah, comedy. Yeah, yeah, that's one way to put it, right? Uh, line two, you're on the air. Welcome to the show.
2: Hey, Heather. I well, uh, hope you had a great
0: fourth. Oh, I did. I did. Got some rest, saw some fireworks. Nice. Uh, right. Defended the Did First you, Amendment. These movies that I linked up for you. Uh, which movies? Uh, the Terminator movies. Uh, no, I didn't get a chance. I didn't get a chance. It was That's only right. one day that I had off, and uh, and then I spent most of my time following this CNN story.
2: Yeah, I was going to call in and say something about the South Park as well, but CNN is being straight up bullies. They, they- are. Mm-hmm. They keep saying that Trump is a bully, but wow, look at CNN.
0: Yeah, and uh, went
2: after somebody's uh,
3: First Amendment, Fourth Amendment rights. Hmm.
0: And why don't they go after Donald Trump? He's the one that made the post. Why are they sidestepping him and going after some private citizen? Go at Trump made the tweet. Go after him. They have no problem doing that every single day. Why don't they go after the guy they don't like? <laughs>
2: This is why I even go after anybody at all? It's just
0: so silly. It is. It's silly and it's ridiculous. And this is what happens um, in communist regimes. If you say something that's against the establishment in the communist regime, that's what happens. Uh, some government men will find you and knock on your door and let you know yeah. that you've stepped out of line. This is how people end up in work camps in North Korea. I'm
2: so glad they don't have any real power, you
0: know? Oh, my God. And I'm so glad that um, American citizens noticed this and came out against it. Um, That is about, you know, that was a beautiful thing to watch unfold, and it was so beautiful. I couldn't hardly stop watching it unfold. Just what took up most of my time last night. I was just watching so many people coming out with excellent arguments uh, about why this is so outrageous. Um, and it is, and I am not the type to get outraged on issues, but the first amendment, don't you dare mess with our first amendment. Uh, that is what makes this country exactly what it is. Uh, in Saudi Arabia, if you say something against the government or if you say something against Islam, same thing will happen. You will be found and you will be punished. Uh, they'll take you into the middle of a public square and give you, I don't know, a hundred lashes or whatever it is. That's a fact. That is going on right now today in our day and age.
2: And uh, speaking of this Russia stuff, there are videos online of the producer of CNN saying that it's all hooey and the ratings grab.
0: Oh, yes, exactly. That's, exact, that's what I was talking about uh, when I started tonight. That's what I was talking about when I was saying that CNN has proven themselves to be untrustworthy. And I really didn't appreciate what they, uh, the producer said about American voters.
4: Oh, I didn't see that part of that.
0: Oh, yeah. He said, uh, well, I can't exactly say it on the air, but he said, um, uh, well, yeah, American voters are dumb as blank. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank are, you. But yeah. You know, mm, thank you, CNN. Wow. I really appreciate that. Uh, it's nice to know that you hold the American people up in such a high regard.
2: <laughs> you well, know, I kind of agree with them on that, because look at all the. The DNC collusion with Hillary, and then people jumped on board with Hillary
0: after Bernie. Yeah, well, so yeah, they're, they're perfectly within their rights to jump on board with any candidate or political party that they want. But as soon as you suppress someone's free speech, you've crossed the line. And 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 I still wonder what in the world must they have said to this guy to get him to apologize like this. And this is no little apology. I mean, this guy's going on for paragraphs and paragraphs. And uh, here's something I find very suspicious within the apology that looks like it's written by a reporter. It says, I am not the person that the media portrays me to be now. Hang on. He's a private citizen. The media doesn't portray him to be nothing before this. So why is Mm -hmm. that in there? That is highly suspect in my opinion.
2: Maybe he got his stuff hopped, and he didn't
0: like that. Mm, well, they they tracked him down, and they found him. So let me ask you the same question I asked the other caller. Uh, if this was you, how would you feel about that? If you had posted something online, it was just silly and a joke, and then all of a sudden your phone is ringing, and then it's someone knocking at the door? Hi, we're CNN. We need to talk. You need to apologize. Well, okay, you need to talk and tell up. They need a what now? Talk to somebody else like a lawyer. Talk to somebody else like a lawyer. Yeah, good answer. Very good answer. And I appreciate the call tonight uh, because look, we've got to take this seriously. Um, arguing over issues, um, in the country. You know what? That, that's fine. Let's argue over issues. Let's find the the right answer to many of the issues that we face. Um, but you don't get to suppress someone for their opinion on any issues, even if it's ugly. I don't like anti-Semitic comments, but I'm going to defend someone's right to make them even if they're ugly, you know? Um, And that is just the way it is. And on the 4th of July. Are you kidding me right now? We got to take us a break. And when we come back, well, Joe Montaldo will be joining us. And he is always just a ton of fun. So we'll be right back, everybody. Well, let the rock and rolling begin. Joe Montaldo is co-founder, international director, and spokesperson for ICAR, the international community for alien research. Originally affiliated with MUFON as an investigator, Mr. Montaldo became disenchanted with the lack of information being shared with the general public. His first step in furthering public awareness was establishing a personal website in 1998, and then later the ICAR site was added to the Internet. Now, he was born in New Orleans, Louisiana. In 1963, he attended area private schools before joining the U.S. Navy. Thank you for your service, sir. While in the Navy, Joe earned three degrees in advanced electronics and avionics. After getting out of the Navy, Joe went on to get his bachelor's degree in advanced electronics and avionics. In April of 2002, Mr. Montaldo began, excuse me, hosting the Wake Up USA, a UFO study talk show. He is now the host of a new radio program UFO Undercover. UFO Undercover is an internet talk show that allows a host and his guest to interact and answer questions with a virtual audience through the internet and by telephone via toll-free number. Boy, that sounds familiar. Sounds like a pretty cool show, doesn't it? Well, during his time as host for these radio programs, Joe has interviewed most of ufology's personalities. In the process, he has gained many friends in the community, as well as the opportunity to work toward his goal of being a ufologist and sharing public information openly, Having been an investigator for almost 30 years, Joe Montaldo is extremely knowledgeable on UFOs, alien abductions, star children, indigo children, my labs, which is military abductions, government involvement, and all matters involved in ufology. And it sure is a treat after the 4th of July to welcome Joe Montaldo to the program tonight. Welcome to the show, Joe. How are you doing?
3: Thank you very much, Heather, for that great intro. I actually... Good, you know, you're a hard person to get hold to, girl. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I was, I was I, well, I was out in Utah, and this is my bad, ladies and gentlemen. I meant to call you when I was out in Utah because I was at the lecture at the U- Utah UFO convention, and we were going down to Rachel and we were going down to Vegas and all. But long story short, is I had some nights that were running late because I, you know, when you lecture, I don't have to work the next day because I was in Utah, so <laughs> I was listening to y'all. While I was trying to call in while I was driving, and so it is hard to get in on this show, y'all. <laughs>
0: It is not it's so tough. easy. Yeah. It's getting a little tougher and tougher as the time goes by. I don't know if that's uh, an increase in listenership, an increase in callers, but, um, you know, it makes me proud because it's probably, hopefully, making art proud.
3: <laughs> yes, but well, I can't see how it wouldn't. I mean, I was going to call in. There's a couple of good shows y'all had there, and uh, you know, so I was, still remember I'm hurling through the middle of Utah at 2 o'clock in the morning coming back from the past. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a friend of mine it's like, I- I've never heard him before. So you know, they got a great show. you got to listen. So he's listening. And I'm hanging on the phone going, I'm never going to get in here.
5: <laughs> That's
3: <laughs> busy. I thought you text Heather my phone, I mean, my phone number. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, was, uh, yeah it, it, was, it was hilarious. But uh, y'all, y'all do a wonderful shot. I enjoyed listening to it. And um and I really meant to call you because they really did a great job up there in Utah. They did a – it's free and it's in the, on top of a mountain in the middle of the dark definitely different wow uh, yeah wow. you'd probably love it. and yeah. i met the car and i, I told the, the nathan the, uh, the guy who put it together I said damn i said next time i talk to him, i'll remind him that y'all gonna have one next year because mm-hmm. for you it's probably not that far for me it was like a dummy i drove so it was 60 hours round trip
0: wow uh, you're a trooper
3: Wow. I mean, I, I, fortunately, I like to drive it, even that was not much. Because, man, it's crazy I yeah, did Deer jumping out, rabbit jumping out, bulls jumping. I'm like, where am I? I'm in Nevada. Y'all look, people in Nevada. I love y'all, but y'all need to find out what fences are for.
0: <laughs> well, welcome to the Wild West, man. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm like, I'm cruising through the middle of Nevada, 80 miles, because yeah, I don't care how fast we go, it's 80 miles an hour everywhere, I'm like, okay, and all of a sudden you start seeing these big signs of bullying, I'm like, what do you mean, bulls? Because in Utah, it's cattle. <laughs> I'm like, we're driving on big old black brimmer standing on the side of the road, and I'm thinking, Lord, I hit him, I'm going to
0: die. Yeah, well, just <laughs> like, wait till you get to the extraterrestrial highway, and it says, watch out for UFOs.
3: <laughs> I was there, I went there. matter of fact, we posted a bunch of pictures that we stopped off at, um, the research center, and then we went and hung out with Pat for about six or seven hours and talked with him. Tell you something weird, so we're at the gate at Area 51, the back gate, North Gate, that's where we were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and these idiots are jumping up and down acting like idiots. No one's even paying any attention to them, by the way, so obviously this <laughs> happens a lot. But there were some other people with us. I don't even know who they were, just a couple of girls and a guy and a friend of mine, and they're all standing with us. That's the only thing cameras ever looked at. We're almost halfway, like, climbing the gates. They're just ignoring us. <laughs> watch these people. I'm thinking, what is this? And then I found that. So they don't even, the military don't even arrest you out there. That was disappointing.
0: No, they won't they arrest the you. Yeah. No, they will not arrest you. But if you cross their line, they will shoot you.
3: They uh. Well, I was talking to the guy. So this is what he's telling me. He said, if you walk past the first gate, we call the local sheriff. It's a $631 fine. Uh, actually, this happens quite a lot. I found out. Uh-huh. Like, yes. Really? Yeah. I'm thinking, y'all let, I'm thinking, who's dumb enough to even get around? Look, I didn't even like taking a picture there, i am be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a tab, because, you know, I'm not a euphologist. I do abduction research. They're probably interested in what I know.
0: Well, okay. they might be. Yeah, yeah they might be. Uh, but the so, sign that says uh, deadly force authorized, they aren't kidding around.
3: Oh, but they're not kidding around. I love the new drone sign they got up, too, no droning. Uh-huh. I thought that was kind of... But I noticed there was campfire set up there, so people are going out there at night and camping next to the gate. Um, mm-hmm. The weird part was we're leaving to go to Rachel, and we're cruising down this—because, you know, it's a blacktop. Or what's a gravel highway, then it turns into a blacktop highway about two, three miles from the base. So we're cruising down this road, and I'm watching these two black vehicles coming down the gravel part of the road, and I are kicking up this dust. And all of a sudden— I'm, in a, I'm driving a brand new Nissan Pathfinder I'm running for the trip 4,000 miles on This car goes Whoa. I'm like, huh? What? <laughs> uh, my partner's like Joe, you're kidding me Right? I'm like, uh-uh. The car just went Whoa. Oh yeah, that's the first oh, thing You nowhere. want to
0: happen When you're in the middle of nowhere In Nevada
3: up, so popping neutral thinking because Nathan and them now they're probably 10 15 miles ahead of us. They're on their way to Rachel. I'm like, Man, we're gonna get stuck out here in the middle of the desert with these two weird black vehicles headed towards us. And then all of a sudden, as soon as it saying, Wait, it started, it just went came back on. And we made the turn. And when we made the turn, it was another little turn, so we sat to wait to see these two vehicles to see what they were. They never did come by, by the way. Couldn't never, they never turned around, and there was no turn before then, so I don't know what happened to them. Um, it was just weird The whole thing was weird And then like I said Then we got to uh, Little Alien Inn And we hung out And uh, met all the locals And talked for Oh God Just at least six hours wow. And then uh, we went We went and hung out In the middle of the Devil something In the middle of the night uh, It was just definitely An interesting I, I loved it Except for having to play Dodge the deer And dodge the cattle <laughs> um,
0: And dodge the men in black
3: well, I died. you know it was funny too we were um, we get back this this whole thing is surreal right so we get back we drive back in the Cedar City Utah that's where this conference was being held from our hotel to where the conference was there was no power whatsoever <laughs> now I don't know what it was people I'm not saying do with ET it was just just really coincidental it was last night at a conference it was last night in a hotel and I'm thinking yeah okay and what's going on here uh-huh. now people rep- seeing lights in the skies and all kind of I didn't see anything by the way but um, I did though post a picture for everyone it's on one of my Facebook pages and it's a picture of uh, well, I guess y'all would call them the Phoenix Lights. We call them the Utah Lights. The reason I posted this is I wanted people to take a good long look at this. Everybody who's seen it's like, oh, it looks just like the Phoenix Lights. I'm, I'm going to be up front with everybody. It's not real. I mean, th- the photo is real. The lights are real. But it's not a craft of any kind. It's
0: not a well, UFO. You- well, did you find out right. what it was?
3: Yeah. It was on the side of this mountain. They had these lights shaped in a disc shape. A cone, well, a semi-dish shape, and from the ground or from the distance, they look like they were in the sky. And when you photographed them, it looked just like the Phoenix lights. Well, we happened to catch it the next night, right at dusk, and we seen them come on. So we drove up there to see what it was. And, uh, of course, we were totally disappointed. But uh, still, you know, it, it looks so much like the Phoenix Lights. And, of course, it's, it's nothing but just lights on the side of a mountain. And it's disappointing to me because, I mean, we want it to be something, but we don't want to fake it either.
0: You can't. You know, we're, 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 There's plenty you know, of people want... out there already doing that for us. So <laughs> we don't want to put more fake information out there. But it does illustrate that sometimes you'll see something strange in the sky and it's not a yeah. UFO. Heather's being nice and saying
3: we're not CNN is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: right. That was- That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> I, uh, I the know. world is weird enough. I don't need to make up stories. <laughs> it's, well, it's crazy. I mean,
3: and, and half the time I turn on news, I'm like, really? 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 So now, I mean, we just do news all the time now and try to at least put some truth back into something <laughs> that resembles news. I, I don't, you know, it's hard to, it's when you look at it today, you're like, really? Did you just really say that? Like CNN firing three reporters over a report that you and I, and probably anybody who's been paying attention to, was bogus from day one.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. well, I'd love to come on your program sometime uh, to talk about it, but, you know, the paranormal world and ufology is difficult enough to talk about uh, without all the fakery, and and I will name names. Uh, Secure Team 10 comes to mind right away, Mm -hmm. uh, because they're constantly putting out the fakest UFO videos I have ever seen, and that is the last thing this field needs. Uh, You know, we're trying to get to the truth here which is what you're trying to do is what I'm trying to do and all the hoaxing and fakery is just makes it that much more difficult.
3: It does and we we tell people all the time it's one of the first things we actually teach people is look you can use your digital cameras all you want they're great they take great pictures but you know what I can take a picture of a scene with my cell phone go on the internet download a UFO to it, crop it to the scene on my phone and then upload it to the internet like I just took and you're not going to know any difference because it looks like it's part of the photo. It doesn't even look crop. I mean, the, the tech's so good now, it's, it's ridiculous. So I tell people, look, that's fine. Use your phone. I, I always tell them, bring at least one star-bought analog camera that's sealed, you know, the kind you can buy at the store. they five bucks, eight bucks. I said, keep one of them with you at all times. I said, try to keep either an analog video camera or an analog camera, and then you're digital. I said, take pictures with all three. I said, because then we have a spectrum, we can go from one end to the other, we can analyze it, we can say, okay, obviously this this was not cropped, Uh, this is something real, what is it? I said, we can eliminate it. I said, but cell phones, it's just too easy to fake.
0: It is. Uh, I
3: mean, it's, just, it's, it's it, just too easy.
0: It really is. And that's funny you say that, because I was just going over. Uh, the CIA, of all organizations, made a rather interesting post on uh, World UFO Day, which was, I think, July 2nd. And the CIA posted instructions on how to take pictures of UFOs. And one of the things that they stressed was um, get a roll of film, take pictures on a on a camera that has a roll of film and then if you can get your negative duplicated and hang on to it Uh, so i know that's a little bit old but it still uh is a good thing to do in this day and age
3: because you can use the grayscale and the pixelization of the film it's it's just it's just way better it's it's harder it's just way harder to fake it and then if you've got both then you can really prove look hey look I've got digital, I've got analog, I've got something, I don't know what it is, but I got something. I had taken a video of something on the beach down here locally out of Pass that was on Sci-Fi not too long ago. And uh, all, and you can hear me talking the whole time. While I'm talking, because I'm conscious of this stuff all the time, because I do this, I'm telling people, look, you see, now you can see the horizon, which we know where the horizon is located from where I'm standing. I said, you can see the cloud deck, so we know the cloud deck currently today is at 5,000 feet. I said, thanks to Airport Monitor and JPL's satellite tracker, I can tell you there were no birds of any kind in the air while I was taking this picture. I could check it live time from my, so- my cell phone, by the way. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, I said, so, you know, the whole time I'm doing this, and then I'm showing you, I'm zooming out and showing you the beach and, and the clouds and the phone lines, and I'm trying to make people understand, look, get as much context in a photo as you can, I said, because I gives it's height, width, depth. How big this thing actually may be, judging from these two lights that we filmed, which uh, they, the people who did the uh, anal- anal- analyzed the the tape said it was probably seventy five to a hundred yards across, probably fifty yards high, uh, sitting about four or five miles off the coast. Of Mississippi. Uh, now, you can get all that detail just from those pictures. Now, look, it's definitely a UFO because when I contacted uh, Keesley Air Force Base, they're like, no, we have no birds. And, of course, uh, airport monitors is a great thing if you have in your area. You can get other kinds, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. They sell other of these airport monitors, which, by the way, kind of scare me because they'd be great for terrorists. But um, it shows you, Airport Monitor shows you everything coming and going from your local airport up to one year. You can go back one year and look what came and when it gives you destination, departure, both times, arrival times. It tells you what type of aircraft it is, what its destination is. And if it's military or helicopter, it actually tells you that. It doesn't actually tell you where it's going, but it actually tells you it's a military operation.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, so you can you can actually see it. If it's flying in the sky, this thing sees it. Uh, and it's a great thing. If you're a ufologist, and it, I don't understand why other organizations don't use it, because between that and the J-Track, you can't go wrong. J-Track tracks all the satellites, so you can rule out satellites instantly. You can rule out flights instantly. Once you know that there's no airplanes and no satellites, and there's no weird natural phenomena going on, you can pretty much say, okay, we got something. Mm. What is it that we got? I mean, then you can start a real investigation. You've eliminated the fact that it's not ours. Mm -hmm. Seems like it's easy to me. but
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, and then after that, I guess the only question is uh, ruling out other things like Chinese lanterns Mm -hmm. or drones that people may have put lights on. But oftentimes the behavior of an object in the sky will also answer those kind of questions, right? So you'll go, "Uh, no, I don't think a drone can behave that way or that doesn't act like an object that's just riding the wind or something like that. So, yeah, by process of elimination, you can eventually come to well. If you rule out everything, you just may have a UFO on your hands.
3: You might. Well, and that's another thing. Drones are are great for taking pictures, but you notice drones don't seem to catch UFOs. Why is it? Why is it, ladies and gentlemen, that we have more cameras on this planet today in 2017? We have more cameras than we have people, and mm-hmm. yet we're getting less pictures every year. Figure that one out.
0: You know, I was asking that question here recently, you know, why the number of UFO sightings seems to be on the decline. We don't have major crash stories anymore like we did in the late 40s and the 50s. Mm -hmm. The last major, major sighting that we've had was the Phoenix Lights, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, We haven't had anything. Well, maybe Stephenville, Texas. Okay, maybe. We can't leave that one out.
3: We we know what Stephenville is now. I found that. I busted move on Stevensville, Stevensville. So, oh, did you? Could, oh, yeah, big time. Why they still consider it uh, uh, UFOs beyond me. We went, I got invited real fast. I got invited to the all women's conference in Stevensville to work press. Uh, Paula Harris invited me. Oh, okay. So I'm down on working press. So I'm down there working press. Well, the guy, Joe, who was in Utah with me, is video he's a videotape freak he videotapes everything for me and we go back and cut it now we can stream live while we're doing it but anyway he's videotaping everything so we go out to the place where it happened and these guys are standing it's beautiful it's gorgeous guys fire going and they're describing what they saw so I'm expecting this big long drawn out that I heard Mufon talk about first thing I hear I come out the guy's mouth where you could see the rib it's on and I'm like wait what the, wait what rib what because I had I, I was baffled then all of a sudden, there's chase planes involved. I'm like, wait a minute. I said, now I'm just confused. I said, move on, said smooth. There was no rivets, no nothing. There was no other aircraft involved. Now, all of a sudden, I'm here listening to the witnesses. And one of them said, definitely the nose cone had rivets. And there were definitely two, what he called, NASA chase planes following it.
0: Nose cone? What is he talking about a nose cone on a UFO?
3: He, he The way he described the craft to me sounds like an Aurora craft. So, live, this is all true, ladies, and we posted all this, and a lot of this was made public the night it happened. I call a friend of mine who works security for Boeing. She's a big wig for me. She's a scientist, and she's in charge of security for the scientists. So I call her up. We both got high clearances. So I give her a call. I said, look. I said, I'm hearing this. I said, and, and I played the tape back for her here with the description she gave. She knew what it was. She even told me what its destination was and where it was headed. Oh, well, okay. So I'm, like, so I'm kind of, at this point, I'm going, now, am I being BS? Because remember, this is ufology world, and these are people who work for Boeing and the government. Even though they are friends of mine, doesn't mean I trust them 100%. So I'm thinking maybe I'm being snowed. So I go back, and I'm asking more questions, and we're talking. By the way, all of this is on videotape, so everyone can see it. You don't have to take me at my word for this. Uh, so... We, we, we went and sat down and talked again. He said, no. He said, I told NASA that I thought it was some type of Aurora-type craft. He said it was, and, and, and this is one of the main things that got me. He describes this thing, and he, he describes the engines were glowing red. There was two rows, eight, there were eight, uh, well, there was 16. There was eight and eight and eight and eight. And uh, he said they were glowing red, and it was cruising along, and the chase planes were cruising alongside of it. He said, all of a sudden, the back end started glowing white and this thing just left the chase plane sitting in the dust and was gone. Now I've heard this pulse engine described more than one occasion from different scientists and different friends in the field. So I, at that point I had no doubt that it was one of our craft. It also made total sense that the, since there was a squadron and F-16s in the air they weren't sent to intercept this thing mm-hmm. uh, because they knew what it was.
5: Right. They, they, already right.
3: Knew, they knew what it was. So I was kind of... And and for me, and, and people get mad at me when we debunk stuff. i got to be honest about it, but it's one of the things we do. I mean, we're trying to get to the truth. It's like the Cass Landry story. Everybody said it was alien. It wasn't. It wasn't. It might have been one of theirs, but we were the ones that were flying it and everybody, irradiated everybody out there at that time.
0: Um, well, you've got to have some kind of sanity. You've got to have some kind of intellectualism to the paranormal and to ufology. And, and this is my challenge, I guess, because there's a lot of, how do you say, uh, woo-woo-ery going on mm-hmm. in in the paranormal field. And I want to well, try to bring some sanity and some intellectualism to it, uh, where there are many things in this world that we cannot explain. But that doesn't mean every single thing is a UFO. Um, It also doesn't mean every UFO is aliens from another world. But some of them have characteristics that we just cannot explain. Those are the ones we should focus on. And I agree. And, you know, it's one of the things that got me in trouble in the field in the early days when I first
3: got in this is because I was very skeptical which I still am, by the way, and there's a lot of stuff I found easy to debunk. And I said, look, guys, if I can come in fresh face, four years in the field and debunk this much stuff, obviously somebody didn't do their homework correctly. Mm-hmm. I, said, I, shouldn't be, I said, I shouldn't be able to come in and cast this much doubt this soon in. I said, if it was done right, I said, you're not going to cast that kind of doubt on my research. And I said, so I, I just, I don't understand, first off, the shortcuts. I do understand the egos. I, I've I've dealt with enough ufologists that I understand the egos, and you, you know what they tell you people: never meet your heroes. That's a true statement. Okay, yeah. I got I got to Don't get me wrong; some of the people I met were endearing to me, like Walt Anders. Uh, he went out of his way quite a few times to help me out, you know, in in the early days. So when I met him, it was great. But most of the other ufologists, not all of them, but most of them, I was just disappointed when I met them. They weren't. They weren't the researchers. It wasn't the appearance or anything else. They just they weren't doing research. They weren't really doing real research. They were doing opinion research.
0: It's about selling something and it's about selling an opinion and it's about selling a reputation. And in my mind, you know, I just get so frustrated if that's what's standing in the way of the truth. We're doomed. We're just doomed. Uh, The truth ought to uh, stand on its own. The truth is how do you say uh, well, it stands on its own. That's the only thing I can come up with. You you cannot no, but it does. bring the truth down. You cannot spin the truth. The truth is the truth. And and we've got, if we're in pursuit of finding that, then uh, you can't let your ego get in get in the way of that. I don't uh, uh, I'm not uh, well, I, a uh, ufologist either. But we do have to take a break here, Joe. When we come back, uh, what do you say we talk about some abductions?
3: Whatever you want to talk about, look, you got list, I'm good. I'll talk about anything. You know how I am. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I want to talk about some abductions, at least for a little bit tonight. There's so much to talk about with Joe Montaldo. Well, and when we come right back, that's exactly... What we're going to do, everybody? Well, Joe Montaldo from the International Community for Alien Research is here, and I just get a kick out of talking to him anytime. Uh, and this is his second time being on the program, and I hope we'll get a third and a fourth and on and on and on it goes. Uh, welcome back, Joe. Um, so, you, wow, there's uh, some serious background noise. Background noise, and I can hear myself. Oh, that, must been,
3: that must have been when I dropped a mic back on it. probably. I probably did that because I hate y'all on mute. I didn't want y'all to hear me singing or nothing. Oh, all
0: right, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Sorry about
3: that. I won't do that no more. Apologize for that.
0: <laughs> I you know, got I caught like- doing that one time. <laughs>
3: uh, so, you know, yeah, I've done it on air once or twice. Because I, I, I can't sing, guys. That's all. I don't want to offend anyone who hasn't shared enough. that. I was just being nice.
0: Well um uh, there's a kind of a loud hum there that we can hear um but uh you talk about something that you refer to as dark abductions uh why do you call them dark abductions
3: Well well mainly well, where is that hum coming from mainly because um it tends to be well first you get the contactees and contactees are always people who want to paint this in a, in a in a decent light or a better light or or try to make something out of it other than what it is. But like I always tell everybody from the get-go, look, ET didn't call you up on the phone and say, hey, Heather, you know what, I'm gonna stop by Sunday night, I'm gonna pick you up, I'm gonna take you up to the ship, I'm gonna do this, that, and the other thing, and you're probably not gonna like it, but I'm gonna do it, and then I'm gonna put you back, and that's gonna be the end of it. Well, they take you against your will. It's not, a, it's not a matter, and even if you think they're good or they love and they're kind, they're still taking you against your will. So right off the bat, they set a darkness in this uh, because first off, they don't feel like there's any consequence for them taking us without asking and they don't seem to be concerned that they're doing it. So once you realize that, you start looking for other things that may be going on besides what the typical people want to say in the light. Dark abductions are abductions that happen to people. Mainly, they don't want to talk about it. They're usually horrific experiences. Um, just to put it in light, Some of these experiences will start out with something you'll be either at home, sitting in, watching TV, or maybe sleeping or something else. We'll we'll use one of the sleeping ones because most people are familiar with that. But so you know, ladies and gentlemen, most abductions happen when people are awake, not when they're asleep. But we're going to use a sleeping one. So here it is. Heather's knocked out. You know, she's snoring away, listening to some music in the background. Then all of a sudden she feels something touch both her ankles. Well, you know, you might not immediately wake up if you have pets. Okay, like people who have cats or dogs, you know, you get used to them plopping on top of you. So you may ignore that. Then the next thing you know, you feel both arms start to tense and up. At that time, most people are going to open their eyes and be like, what's going on? Well, the first thing you're going to see, well, in this case, we'll use a gray, will be just standing there, looking right at you while you're looking at them. Immediately, you know, most people go into some type of panic, some type of worry, so usually everybody always thinks they knock you out with a needle or something. They can, but for the most part, the grades just knock you out by looking at you. They bring you on board craft. At this point, they proceed to do all sorts of unthinkable things. One of my favorite ones is when they remove the lady's spine. Oh! Now, oh my God! So under hypnosis, this. And by the way, she was awake for this. Oh okay. My God. Now, matter of fact, a lot of these things that go on, they're awake for. So, you know, now she told me in her own words, she said, I didn't feel pain, but I couldn't stop screaming because I knew what they were doing to me. She said, "Now I just couldn't move. My arms were out, this thing was just holding me in place. And she said, I just, she said, and then she tells me, you know, Joe, I really don't know if I was screaming or loud, if I was just screaming in my head. She said, but I was just screaming. She said, because I could see the whole procedure while I was going on, The the, the floors and the walls or almost mirror-like so you can see everything that goes on around you. And uh, so she said she could see it being removed. They held it up. They did some things to some of the edges of it. Then they put it back in and sealed it. Well, under hypnosis, we're listening to this and and this is just a light story we're talking about here. Uh, So we're we're like, okay, well, there would be some evidence, okay, something. I mean, come on, a woman had spine removed. There's got to be something. A surgical scar, something. Yeah. So, this woman spent i'm not kidding y'all twenty five thirty five thousand dollars having x-rays and mRIs and everything else on And in one mRI it said that the spine looked like it had been somehow moved over point two millimeters oh. uh, she said he said that on one not the top, but at the bottom part, there almost looked like there was some sort of incision made where where the graft had not quite lined up when it went back. Now we've got another case like that where the guy had his arm cut off and then put surgically put back on. He watched them. He said they, they took this laser like thing and just it sliced right off. He said, there wasn't no blood shooting around or nothing. He said they did something with it. They came back and they put it back on and they used something else that just like mended the molecules back together. Well in his x-ray it showed the bone off by just millimeter, something. I mean, it's just barely enough to even be noticeable, but the MRIs catch that stuff.
0: Gosh, you know, it really makes me wonder where Star Trek then gets their information, right? Because they did one of my favorite episodes ever of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Is I know it's not called this; it's called something else, but I call it the alien abduction episode, um, where you know they actually tackle this issue, and uh, I think it's uh, Commander Riker's arm that's removed and then surgically reattached, and it's off by, I think they said 0.2 microns in the episode. You You
3: know, what's funny about that is this case actually predates that, but what's funny about that is, is obviously Gene Roddenberry obviously knew someone, if not himself someone who had been taken because some of the stuff in there, I mean like the being pulling you out of the, the grays do that. They, they take you out of time and space. It's like pulling you into a pocket next to our time. Mm-hmm. So they can keep you as long as they want and do whatever they want and as far as you're concerned when they put you back there's no real time no, no one else around you really realizes the time missing but um, it, and that's directly by the way ladies and gentlemen that's something the aliens started doing because of researchers. Somewhere along the line, they realize. Well, look, these guys figured out that missing time is alien abduction. They're starting to find out too much and meeting too many abductees too fast. Because we went from like missing time cases every day to none. Yeah. Within a within a ten year span, I'm like, oh, so we figured out what was going on because we got lucky with some of these these gain time cases. So they just basically take you out and put you in a pocket. Do whatever you're going to do, and then put you back. Sometimes at the moment they take you. Sometimes ten minutes before. Sometimes ten minutes after. But it's not really a lot of time there. And all they do is put a looped memory in your head, not a cover memory. It's a loop memory. It's just it's something that you do all the time. Something you're not going to question. Mm-hmm. Like driving to work every day, eating your hot dog every day, whatever some ritual you do every day. They just loop it. And as far as your brain's concerned, nothing happens. Oh. The only reason you realize it is sometimes there'll be a scar, or sometimes a memory will sneak out in a dream, or sometimes there'll be a sighting,
0: or sometimes there might be something out of place. You know that reminds me about a recent email that I got um, from a listener who likes to listen to the show as they work at night, and they're uh, they uh, I guess this is some kind of a janitor, some kind of a cleanup. Uh, person. And this person was uh, vacuuming. And then all of a sudden, all they remember is coming to in another part of the building and going, wow, what am I doing over here? And realizing that the vacuum is still on in the other room. And so the person's going now, wait a minute, I would never leave the vacuum on. But what am I doing over here? Uh, And there wasn't very much, if any, time missing at all, there was a little bit um, but the person, I, I know it sounds like a small experience and it doesn't sound like much compared to other things that have been discussed on the show uh, but it really shook this person up and they're really trying to figure out they're still emailing me saying well nothing, has, nothing else has happened yet but I'm staying vigilant. Um, And in that case, you know, the vacuum being on is the only thing um, out of place there. Had the person not been using a vacuum cleaner as a part of their job, maybe they wouldn't have even have noticed anything was out of place.
3: uh, But a lot of times I think those things are left on purpose. And that's what I think sightings actually are, are, are just things they leave behind to let the individual know. Because What I learned early on is most people's psyche can't handle this early, especially some of the early experiments, which we're going to talk a little bit more about. But Mm -hmm. the psyche has a hard time dealing with it. So, ET for the ones they think that are going to be useless or part of the project or whatever you want to call it, the agenda, they leave them like little breadcrumbs, just enough to to see what they'll do. Now, some people it's still too much. Some people go hide, put their head in the sand, or hide, or or don't want to remember, don't want to be involved, and eventually they stop letting them remember anything. Doesn't mean that the abduction stops, by the way, ladies and it just means they won't be allowed to remember anything. Don't ever think that people remember by accident because they don't. ET does not have to let you remember anything. They can block every memory or just reroute every memory. They do not have to let you remember. So if you do, it's at their courtesy, it's at their leisure because they've seen something in you or some spark in you that suggests you may be useful in the future. You may be a keeper, a communicator, you may be someone who wants to get out in the world and tell people that ET is real and, and you've experienced it or what have you. But they're really looking for credible people that can sell themselves. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of contactees out there that spew a lot of BS. And it is just BS. They're not looking for that. They're looking for the people who, who when when they talk about this, people say, you know what? that That's probably close to the truth or something like that happen, they don't question the person's character much because the argument they present is much better than, oh, ET's here to save us all and clean our planet up and and make us all peace, love, and light. If that was true, we wouldn't have Korea launching missiles at our head. Uh, So, you know, when you get right down to it, it's like everything. You have to judge them by their actions, and their actions do not say that they're here to enlighten our species. So when I hear this Constantly being put out there, I have to question it. I have to challenge it because uh, actions speak louder than words. Uh, Et been here for a long time. I don't see where they've enlightened. Matter of fact, recently, I have to say they were doing a really bad job at it. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying maybe it's in reverse. But but the point is is. You know that's not their job their job is not to save our planet their job is not to save our species their job is is really to do whatever it is they need to do for their species to do whatever it is that they're planning on doing with us and uh, if they were here to enlighten us, let's see we know for at least 12,000 years they've been messing around our culture, probably longer than that but we're going to say 12,000 years so just think about 12,000 years of extraterrestrial enlightenment we'd be like light beings today I mean, we we would just be overflowingly, technologically advanced, socially advanced, morally advanced. Well, I don't want to say morally advanced, but (laughs) socially advanced. Um, You know, but we're not. We're still a divided, warring planet that we don't know what's going to happen from day to day. And that just doesn't sound like any type of extraterrestrial enlightenment. And by the way... If you're picking, E.T., those people to enlighten us, you're picking the wrong people. You know, maybe, maybe you should invade Donald Trump or Barack Obama or maybe Merkel. I don't somebody that would make a difference.
5: Mm-hmm. Joe yes. Joe
3: on the side of the street is, even if they manage to gather a huge following, it's not going to change anything. You you have to have someone in power. And, of course, they don't want to change anything. I don't think E.T. I think they like the status quo. Uh, well, it's the, first, yeah.
0: it's the against their will part that I've always had a problem with. Um, mm-hmm. I, look, I want to believe that the extraterrestrials are kind and wise and don't want to kill us. Well, then why is, uh, people who are abducted, why aren't they given any kind of a warning? Why are some of these people, and I know you've, probably listened to um, alien abduction regression, hypnotic regression sessions. I've done many. And you can back me up on this. You listen to those people's voices when they're regressed and hypnotically regressed and they're recalling their abduction. What it sounds like is someone with a horrifying traumatic memory that they're just trying to come to grips with the the screams the desperation in their voices is just palpable and to me that you can, doesn't you can feel it. you absolutely can and to me I have I have a I have a really hard time I've been struggling with this whatever the alien agenda is I want to believe that it's good but when you take people against their will you know, that makes it really hard to believe that uh, E.T. is all about puppies and rainbows.
3: Oh, yeah, Like one of my favorite contactees told me one day, he said, well, Joe, they're not doing nothing we don't do to ourselves. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? He said, we abduct people all the time, do things to them. He said, we take cows and deers and bears and tag them, sway them, drop them from airplanes. He said, it's nothing that we're not doing ourselves. He said, why should they feel guilty about something we do to every animal on the planet already? He's got a valid point there. But still, they're not sentient beings. We are. Whether they think we're not, we think we are. (laughs) So it comes down to, look, we think we're sentient beings. You should at least treat us was it maybe just a little bit I don't expect them to give us a bunch of respect Because they're ancient beings But come on Obviously there's something here There's some spark in us that you're interested in Or you wouldn't be here So shouldn't you give us just a little bit of respect Maybe a tiny bit
0: Well, you know, just because we do that to animals Doesn't make it right
3: I agree with that too. You know, said that many times.
0: Taking uh, someone against their will for experimentation is never going to be okay. That is never going to be okay. And if you were to ask, you know, the old saying, right? It's easier to get uh, forgiveness than it is permission. Um, but again, that still doesn't make it right. Uh, a person ought to be able to choose, and most people—not all, but I think most people—would probably decline given the choice. Some people might say, yes, go right ahead. But we're not even given that choice, Joe.
3: We're not given any choice and they're not going to give us any choice because it doesn't work to their benefit to do so. Um, and, and for them, I mean, it, it's like, you know, it's like it's like the case, and this is another dark objection, it's like the case where they took the lady's eyes out and faced it back because she was praying to Jesus, you know, to save her. And they took her eyeballs out and pointed them back at her and said, now get Jesus to, to save you they were proven a point. Uh, I mean, David, that was cold, that was calculated, and that was vicious. And it was also proven a point that we, your God means nothing to us. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean to the rest of the human race? I mean, a friend of mine asked, well, does that mean God doesn't exist? I said, no, that doesn't mean that. It just means that they don't have any fear of our God, or whatever, or whoever, or whatever it may be. These guys don't tend to fear it. Maybe they know something we don't. Mm-hmm. And, and we really don't know. But or maybe they just know, like we should know, that the great creator is not going to interfere. <laughs> so,
0: well, and it's a demonstration. Look, we can do whatever we want with you.
3: It is. And, and, and this woman, by the way, was a communicator. She was somebody, I'm not going to mention her name because she told me she'd kill me if I did. But she speaks today, even still. She's a regular speaker on the scene as a contactee. And she says it still gives her nightmares today. Um, I was just going to
0: say, it, I was just going to say, she probably has horrible, horrible nightmares about it and probably uh, still isn't over it to this day. No, she's
3: not. I don't, I don't know if she'll ever get over it. But it's like the case that gentlemen comes to mind. You know, when I first got into ufology, the women being abducted far out out with the men, as far as we could tell back then, it was like 80-20 at best. We know that's not true today. We know that it's probably more like 60-40s. 55, 45, but it's a little bit closer than we originally thought. But mm-hmm. to put it in perspective, I got a guy, I'm doing a regression case with him. And so we start talking, and uh, we get him down, and, and he's resisting going under. He, he's Scared. and I could see it, and you could see it on the voice stress meter. He was scared; the meter was pinging, you could, his voice was shaky, and he was on there about four levels down. So, so I calmed him down, put him down another five or six levels. And we start talking. Now, this is a this is a guy who's training to be a police officer. Okay, oh. so we're talking, and and he's he's, he, and this is during Katrina, by the way. So we're we're talking and. Um, all of a sudden, he just screeches, and he said, he, he just, he starts shaking and trembling, and he's screaming, stop biting me, stop biting me, stop biting me, and I just told him, stop. You can't feel any pain. You're in the room with me, and, and went through the whole spew. I don't want to get into that, but I got the whole spew got him calmed down mm-hmm. and got him to describe what it was. So first thing he says, he says, he hears a noise. He sits up in his bed, and he knows it's there. He just knows it. He said, I can't see anything, Joe, but he knows it. He said, all of a sudden, I look up and there's something just standing in front of me, grabs my leg, just drags me out of my bed, drags me out the front door, throws me in to this orb-shaped thing, he said it was probably 30 meters across with some other people, and it took them to a location. He said, he's freaking at this point, he said the thing just reached in, grabbed him out, drugged him by his hair, threw him up on this podium, and some type of field just encased him and held him there. And he was being used as a test subject for these other people who had these electric wands that come by and stun him and, and show how it worked and, and, and showed this whole procedure. And he said he was really protesting, he was screaming at the top of the lungs he said, and this reptilian just reached over and just bit down into his shoulder. He said it just, just bit down, he said his blood gushed and I, he said I'm screaming, I'm in pain he said, and he said and I just blacked out. He said I woke up later on a table, he said and he's talking about his stomach's been spleen open. And he said, at this point, he, he said, I couldn't move. I'm totally freaked out. And he said, even with my stomach being cut open, he said, I could still feel the pain from my shoulder.
5: Oh, my God.
3: So, so we got him under. he's, he's, and he's, he's freaking, out, and I've got him pretty deep. I don't even like taking someone down that deep because they become too, um, too easy for suggestion. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, look, I said I got to bring you back up. I can't keep you down here. I said because we're going to end up making something that's not something. So I start bringing him back up, and he just starts freaking. So he said I can feel it. He said I can feel him using this thing to close my stomach back up, and and so he goes into this just just outrageous sound I couldn't even describe. It. I mean, you could hear the fear. Not even "hear" not even the right word. It was it was so bad. It was like it was it was permeating everyone in the room. You could. Every was making everybody just as paranoid as he was. Wow! And uh, and
0: this is a guy training to be a police officer, so I take it yeah. he doesn't spook easily.
3: Well, he did. He did two t- turns in uh, Desert Storm. Wow! It's not like he's some, some little wussy guy we're talking about here. And uh, so he he gets out and he says, "Man, my shoulder's killing me." So he pulls his shirt over his His shoulder's got him on video. It's actually throbbing red. You could see it just. <laughs> talking about freak me out so I'm kind of backing up at this point thinking oh Lord we all fix and get abducted here so I, I, he calls me the next day we, we wrap up the session calls me the next day. so I'm going to the doctor he goes to the doctor. doctor gives him a report and said that he had severe internal bruising of his right shoulder now remember this event happened a full 18 months before the hypnosis did so under hypnosis this came back the actual inside damage to his shoulder actually came back but that ain't the mind so and, and, and even today it still it's still bothers him it's uh it's strange and he's had some other encounters after that but I mean first off I mean he's this guy is you know 240 250 for something just to grab him by his ankle and drag him he said, and he, said I, he said there was just nothing I could do he said I've never felt that hopeless or that useless in my entire life. He said he said I didn't know if it was the shock, the fear, or maybe because of the way he was holding me he said, but I just he said I couldn't even fight back.
0: Yeah, and people wonder why abductees can't get photos. That's why.
3: Well yeah, that kind of stuff scares you that and there always seems to be some type of electric magnetic field around. I can't tell you how many pieces of equipment (laughs) I love this one video. I love this video. So we set up a camera in this couple's bed. Because they've been having regular abduction, so you see it's like two twenty two in the morning. the camera goes off well, the camera goes off, then it pops back on, then there's nobody in the bed So okay, well, maybe somebody touched something right, so then the camera's steady on five thirty in the morning, all of a sudden, you can see the sheets just rise, and they're back in the bed.
0: Oh, yeah. I
3: I have no idea.
0: Oh, my God. I've heard other abduction researchers uh, answer this question. You know, why aren't there cameras? And they say, well, we've tried that. And, And the camera is almost always avoided. Somehow, in some way. You might see a flash and then a person out of their bed and a flash and the person back in their bed, but that's at best all you're going to see. Um,
3: yeah, and sometimes you'll have like eight hours of just blank tape for some reason. It, it's, 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 weird the way it works out but it, it just happened so now my favorite one was the lady who did uh she took baby powder and put it all over our floor when she got to bed
0: well let's actually talk about that when we come back from the break that is a perfect cutoff point right there <laughs> we can get this when we come back because i think i vaguely recall this story uh but i do want to Talk about it again because it's a it's a it's a good one if it's the one I remember. So Joe Montaldo is here and we're talking about well, extraterrestrials, UFOs, and everything that the international community for alien research does. We'll be right back. Oh well, I cannot wait to hear this. Uh, Welcome back, Joe. Uh, So okay, I, I don't know if this is the one I remember if I vaguely remember this, but she put baby powder down on the floor and then what happened so
3: there's a couple accounts of this but then we're going to go through this first story so this woman got this idea all on her own by the way which, which kind of was a stroke of genius so she gets baby powder and she puts it all over the floor she works her way back in her head puts it on the floor so she gets up probably wasn't it was still dark outside I remember that flips on a light and guess what she sees little bitty footprints all over the floor Oh now, when she gosh. told me this, I'm thinking, "Do you have a cat or something?" She said, "No, no, Joe she, because she's. I'm going to say how she said it because we're on radio, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, she so she says, I'm going to send you a picture, and this is before the time of guys, the internet and email. You know, unfortunately, we didn't have that kind of thing, so uh, she actually had to physically mail me the picture, which took a day or two to get in. But anyway, when you get the picture, you can see these. They look like the footprints look like they're three or four inches. Well, maybe five inches and you can see something obviously was walking you can also tell that they walk differently than I do they must not have a gated step like we do but uh, you could see them so long story short she said she's going to do it again so she does it so she puts it all out because you know some contactees can sense when they're coming yes so she puts it all out and she gets this sense that she comes so she flips on the light and she said she could see the prints happening on the floor but she couldn't see them. Oh but she oh. knew they were in the room. So so you hear her there's a video. You don't see nothing on the video by the way, but you hear her screaming <laughs> like a banshee woman. I'm not gonna say what she was screaming either, but <laughs> she was screaming and she's and the whole time she's bleep bleep I can see your footprints bleep bleep walking around bleep bleep in my room. And um, you know, and she's going on so you don't you don't see any of this on the video, by the way. Even though you can hear it, and and you could see everything before she started screaming, the video camera was working great. And from where she is, you know she's not the one that messed with the camera. Now, I can't swear there wasn't somebody else in the room that maybe closed the shutter on the camera or something, but you can hear the entire event. And what's more freaky than that is, you hear this weird clicking sound. Ooh. It's I can't, it's hard to describe it. Like, it's like a... It's really complicated clicks. Some people think it, it, it may be dolphin, like like a dolphin language if you put it on what? Regardless of what it is, it's eerily spooky, creepy sounding. And it, to me, it sounds like an insect or something. I'm not even going to lie. It creeps me out. But uh, So you can hear this going on the whole time. Then all of a sudden, you just hear her let out a curdling scream. I mean, made my hair just stand up in the back of my neck, and it has nothing. You hear this this intense clicking sound for 30, 40 seconds and her screaming and there is nothing for like seven hours. Uh, and then all of a sudden you hear her, she must have been waking up in bed and she's talking and, and she's, she's and, and at first she's real groggy and then all of a sudden you hear her just start cursing away. I guess she realized what had happened because she's seen the camera and she's seen the floor. And uh, it just, it, it I mean, that, the, the scream alone was intense well under regression they they punished her for this oh
0: that's why
3: and so when they when they brought her on board the craft there was a she the way she described it sounded more like a psychological punishment almost like a matrix kind of thing where they got in her head and they made her sense and feel particular things she said it was just terrifying. She said it was like it was like someone who was just replaying horror in my head. She said not like images. She just said like the feeling of being terrified and horror was just, it, it, she, she said I was so petrified I couldn't move. And still to even this day, and this has been a long time now, uh, it, when you talk to her about it, you can see her tense up. It, it's almost like she's freezing in place. It's really, really creepy. And it's really weird. But it's, it, it, when I, the first couple of times, it scared the bejesus out of me.
0: Well, I bet. Now, uh, the clicking it didn't sound like um, any kind of, you know, object that would have been in the house. Didn't sound like a clock. Didn't sound like anything earthly.
3: Yeah, it, it sounds like a language. It, it, it's you, Because it's not so much because you get click, 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 click. It's the intensity moving up and down the spectrum of emotion in the click.
0: That's, and you can kind of hear a pattern. Across,
3: yes. You can, and, and, but the emotion comes across. Everybody says the them are not emotional. Well, that's not true because you can. I mean, it really. When you listen to this, you can you can tell there's emotional being there, and it's not a human, and it's it's sensing and feeling something. Else. As a matter of fact, to be blunt about this, it kind of felt like the three grays that were in the room with her mm-hmm. got a little nervous and a little antsy themselves when she started flinging herself all about. Because she said she just got to kicking and throwing her arms and throwing things. And she had a baseball bat she was swinging around. <laughs> oh, oh, good God. for her. <laughs> but she wasn't going down without a fight. It was like Whitley Striever in the shotgun. I can't tell you how many people have pulled out guns, myself included. Um, it, it does no good as far as we can tell. I know in that, what was that movie, uh, that series, what's his name, did, uh, the guy broke out the machine gun. As far as I can tell, that that just doesn't work. Um, the, the, it doesn't even seem like guns actually work on their craft. It's like something retards the gunpowder or something. Uh, it doesn't even seem like they work because I can't. A lot of contactees get taken with whatever they have on you and
0: believe it or not, a lot of contactees carry guns. Really? So you have heard of contactees being taken on board with a firearm on their hip?
3: Oh yeah, and and put back. What a matter of fact, one lady was almost got her butt arrested so she gets this is in New Mexico of all places this is on interstate what is that 15 not 15 uh, 25 or something 20 which one runs anyway it's the not 10 it's the next interstate up that runs across the country 80 east to west <laughs> No, nah, I think it's it's either 20 or 40 but Okay. I want to say it's twenty, but anyway, good runs through Dallas and all. Anyway, she's in New Mexico, somewhere in the middle of the frickin' desert, and she said the car just does the typical whoa, and she said then her dog just starts freaking out. Uh, so as you know she's got a um, forty-five with her, twelve-shot forty-five. Nice. She said. She said she remembers. Uh, she said she remembers something coming up to the car. She said, and for some reason, I never even grabbed a gun. She says, whatever it was, was intense. I was scared. She said, and then I remember being put back. The dog was freaking. I was intense. I scared. She said, for some reason, I reached for the gun. And she said, what I did, I just aimed it at the windshield and popped off around. Well, right as she did it, guess what was walking up to her car? A New Mexican state troop.
0: oh Uh-oh. Now what are you so going to tell gets, the trooper? Well, I thought it might be
3: aliens. She, she gets arrested and they bring it in. She's telling them this, right? And of course, they think she is just bad crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just think, "No way, woman, you're crazy. This didn't happen like this." Blah blah blah. You're going to jail for attempted murder on a police officer. But even the officer said that the car was parked there and when he first came up, this is his words, by the way, he didn't he thought the car was abandoned. Uh, and then he said there was an intense bluish white light, and then he heard the gun discharge. Oh! He said he was still fifty or seventy five yards away from the car when it happened. So, okay, well, he couldn't sh- honestly say what what happened, but he said. You know, he, he didn't rule out what she was saying, which was
0: well, very, very interesting. Stuff. And if she was uh, seriously trying to kill the officer, it would have been a little more obvious. You know, get out of the car and try to shoot him, or when he knocks on the window, try to shoot him. Um, you know, it would have been pretty clear to him if if that was her intention, but it clearly wasn't. I find it interesting yeah, well, that he actually admitted there was a blue light.
3: That he 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 was he said he was shaken by the whole event, and he said he did not think that she was gunning for him. Uh, he just didn't, and he said, you know, he didn't see her or the dog. He said he freaked him out because all of a sudden he heard just growling, snarling dog. Uh, and she had a big old whopping old dog. What was it? Not a shepherd. She had a rottweiler, actually. Mm. You know, it's funny because I've had four or five Women, by the way, with togs in their cars, I didn't think about this till night, actually get picked up on that highway. I'm going to have to look into this. Uh, I was thinking about another friend of mine that got picked up. But anyway, she, so the trooper made the report. The judge said that he is inclined to believe that something else had happened. Maybe someone tried to snatch her or something because, come to find out, the girl's a really good shot. Um, had actually won awards for shooting so there was no doubt if she was trying to kill a cop he would be dead so even the judge you know they they gave her something and like three years probation but they didn't put her in jail or anything and they let her go but in the in the actual police report it, in the judge's account it does say uh, seemed like there was some other type of encounter that happened prior to the shooting
0: Oh, now isn't that interesting? And I wonder, is the police officer's statement included?
3: Yes, it is, actually.
0: <laughs> he's, um, he,
3: he's... Wow. He, you know, it was... It was the, whole, but the whole thing was so surreal when, when I heard about it. I was like... Because you know, what's weird is... And, and I know, ladies and gentlemen, y'all don't experience stuff like this, but for me, this happens very frequently. I'll get a call. It may be 6 o'clock in the afternoon, it may be 9 o'clock, I might be on the air talking on a radio show, and somebody will call in just insane, screaming, hollering, crying, cursing, because something just happened right then and there, so mm-hmm. it's different for me because I get I get the the initial sense of the emotional wave that comes in, so it's a lot easier for me right off the bat to say, oh, well, somebody's pulling my leg or not, because it's hard to fake that kind of intense emotion. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just, it really is, because, I mean, these people are just scared and, and looking for someone to tell them, hey, look, you're all right, you're here, they didn't take you, they put you back, whatever, you survived it. They They just want to know that, really, that they're here and they're going to be okay. Um, mm-hmm. because it's it's hard to deal with the just being taken just just a regular old abduction when they come take you and bring you on board and do all the blood work and the psychological studies and all of that all of that is just itself is, is taxing enough without some of the other stuff that goes on
0: well you know, even if, I mean let's make it just for the sake of argument just a little more earthly um, if a person is standing on a corner they're waiting for a traffic light to turn green or something they got to cross the street and just a human drives up with a van and Gets them, abducts them, puts them in the van, drives them around for a little while, threatens them, and then lets them go. Something like that is incredibly traumatizing. And then yeah. you add aliens into the equation, and I don't know very many humans that know a way to cope with something like that. That is outside of anybody's frame of reference or uh, ability to cope. You know, these people must come up with very creative ways to cope with this when it's repeatedly going on in their lives over and over again. You know, what they
3: do is they seek out people like us so they can find someone to talk to. You know, most important thing you can ever do for anyone who's had contact is don't judge them. Just listen to them. You You don't even have to agree with them. You don't even, it doesn't even matter if you think what they're telling you is true. Just let them tell you. Because for them, it's, it's therapy. It's, it's, it, don't ridicule them, just let them. It, it doesn't matter if you believe what they believe. It's like believing in God. It doesn't matter which God you believe in or what religion, as long as you believe. It's mm-hmm. so the same thing with this. Let them, let them, you know, always celebrate the same thing. If, if it makes you feel as snug as a bug in the rug, leave it alone. Leave it alone. Because, you know, it's rare in life that you feel that comfortable with anything. So um, when you can help out somebody, just help them out, listen, and don't judge. Mm-hmm. And if it's something you think is real and you can't handle it, there are lots of groups, ours included, uh, that will help them if they can. And and honestly, uh, and I'm going to be totally honest about this, since my last four appearances, including the last one with Heather, I am personally at least seven months backlog, so don't get offended if you don't get a response right away. Oh, really? Uh, I'm not going to lie. Yes, I am. I am am swamped. I got new directors coming on, but I'm so strict about the rules about being able to say something or not it takes me a little while I, I, let's just say i have trust issues and leave it at that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> really a person that deals with ufos and military abductions you have trust issues huh? i am shocked yes, joe
3: let's yes, just leave it at that but i mean because it's hard you know we got a lot of people who really pour their hearts out to us and i mean it's stuff that could do damn you'd be surprised at how many people we talk to are upper middle class or higher Mm-hmm. And still, by the way, don't want to give up their money, even though you helped them. Uh, well, that was just, you know, my part. But anyway, um, the thing of it is, is if something like this was to get out into their life, they're done. Whatever their career is, whether it's politician, lawyer, doctor, they're pretty much done. Well, I'm not going to the UFO doctor to hell with that. Um, it's it's just, it's bad business for them. And, but they still need counseling like everybody else who's had this experience.
0: You have something like that happen, you want to talk about it, you want to get it off your chest, and you don't want to be called a lunatic, and this is why, um, and I had to break this habit, because when I take a call on the show, I just instinctually want to say, you know, and where are you calling from? Just because it's a kick to find out where people mm. are calling from, what's your name? But I don't ask anymore, and I tell people whenever I'm doing open lines, you don't have to say what your name is, you can make up a name, you don't have to tell me where you are, um, because then that makes it a little easier for people to come out yes. and tell their stories. You know, I try to try to make it as anonymous as possible because there's just an added layer of comfort in talking about something that will probably make everyone in your neighborhood give you the hairy eyeball if they find out it's you. You know.
3: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because a couple of months ago, one of my customers was listening to late night radio. I'm not gonna say what show, and uh, heard me talking. so he calls me up the next day he said Joe were you on the radio last night I was like uh, maybe. <laughs> like, why? And goes, you know, these guys are multimillionaires and and they support my company so I don't want to offend them. And, uh, he said, uh, I heard you. I didn't know you knew anything about that. Man, I gotta talk to you about something. I was like, oh my God. You just never know, though, who it is because when, when they ran the ad on me in New Orleans, they did, the uh, Times-Speaking Union did a full-page ad, gave me the whole page in the living section. Kind of weirded me out a little bit with a big old alien skull in my hand. And, uh, and so anyway, for like the next couple of weeks, every time I walked in somewhere, I was like, oh, it's the alien guy, it's the alien guy. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you'd hear whispers. But more times you would hear like, I walked in my bank, the VP comes. I've never talked to this person in my entire life, comes over, oh man, I got to tell you about what i seen up in, uh, he was somewhere out west. And I was like, really? So, and then I was in the grocery store. Not only is the girl bringing up my food telling me what she saw the two people behind me telling me what they saw. (laughs) I was like, I was like, okay, which don't get me wrong, I, I really like this kind of stuff, but you know, for me, nine to five is, is my company and uh, that's what pays our bills. that's what funds a lot of iCar funds a lot of the other stuff so it's important that I, I give it the attention it deserves so sometimes you know people call me and like look can you call me at the five can you call me at the six and that's why guys because you know I do have to work for a living unless somebody at the uh, feels sorry and want to donate a couple of meals so I can retire <laughs> other than that I still got to work <laughs> for a living uh,
0: yeah it's amazing uh, as soon as people figure out that I talk about UFO um, all of a sudden, from people that you would never expect. Oh, I saw a UFO. This happened, or that happened. And, oh, and yeah. as soon as they realize you're not going to judge them, boy, it's it comes out, and you, you can know, it's, see it's, it in their face. They want to tell someone.
3: They do, and they don't want to be judged for telling. Them, but you know, it, it, it's even more important than that is that it's someone credible, someone they consider to be credible in whatever field or whatever they're doing. And then they hear him talking about it. They're like, well, wow, I know this guy. This guy's pretty credible. If, if, if he or she thinks this is real, there might be something to it. That really helps what I like to call the, the middle middle and upper middle class people because, because of the way their social life is structured, it makes it harder for them to be able to participate in this. So when they hear someone of credibility, that's why so many people flock to Dr. Greer's banner or people like that because in the beginning they lent a lot of credibility to the field. Mm-hmm. And it uh, and, and, and allowed for everyday people to come out and say, well, look, he said, well, he's an emergency room surgeon. If he can say it, I can say it. You know, we've had other scientists, we've had other people come out and, and, and now, you know, and more PhDs come out, but still – It's never one that really helps the field I'll never understand Why don't we get like a PhD in uh, astrophysics or something Uh, Or, you know, Stan Friedman's the closest thing we got And he's not a PhD, but he's a nuclear physicist Mm -hmm. Uh, I just never understood why this See, with me, I've got a couple of degrees That kind of goes along with what I do in the field But I notice we get like Teachers, which I'm not complaining, guys. Everybody who helps is great. I okay? guess that's not what I mean. It just never seems to be the right sciences, I guess.
0: Well, because Why don't we
3: there's get some, like forensic experts.
0: Well, absolutely. Uh, but there is so much hoaxing and fakery out there. The Roswell slides didn't do ufology any favors at oh, all. God. And every time something clearly hoaxed Likes that comes out, well, you know, guess what? Uh, That's a whole bunch more people turning away from ufology, and that is a whole bunch more people who are not going to tell their stories. And as credible as we can possibly keep ufology is the only thing that's going to help us at this point. Um, We've got to be able to do that. Otherwise, the whole field is going to be looked at at like a bunch of cartoon characters.
3: (laughs) You know, when I when I first got in this field, and, and and we still need this today, but they won't do it, I asked about 30 of our fellow ufologists. I said, look, why don't you put together a review board? I, I'm not saying you got to hate on people's data. I said, why don't you say, okay, we looked at this. Yeah, this may be true. This may not be true. Or maybe you, if you did this, this, or this, this would help this. I said, maybe that would help bring some credibility. I said, but I said, ufology itself, no one agrees on anything. Yeah. At least in abduction research we sort of agree that if if you were to talk to Yvonne Smith or Daryl Sims or or, or K I mean not K um Mary, Mary Rodwell and a couple of the others, Suzanne Hansen, and them, they're going to agree that there's a, a lot of basic similarities in all abductions. Now, there's going to be differences because they send them on the gambit, but there's going to be a fundamental basis. 50, 60, 65% of the data is fundamental. We all agree that this happens, mm-hmm. and we all agree that that's 10, 15% of the problem. So there is... Some consensus there, but when you get into ufology, there's none. It's 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 no. jibber jabber about jibber jabber.
0: They argue okay. with each other. They argue over particular cases. They argue over details about those cases. One person will say, "Well, it was a landing." Another person will say, "Well, it was a crash." And another person will say, "Well, there were two ships there." Another person will say, "No, it wasn't. That was one ship." And then another person will say, "Guys, it was just a government exercise. Nothing happened there." And how in the world are we going to get anywhere that? That way, uh, That's just creating more confusion in a field yes, yes. that is full of confusion.
3: Well, it, it makes well, me yes, insane. But, well, and I think they do it on purpose for the most part, because there's, there's, just, there's just so much garbage out there. And, 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 and then it's like, I know um, all the different crashes, and I was talking to a friend of mine one day about this, and he's a pilot, and I said, you know, dude, I said, if ET flew on this planet, they would have a worse flight record than any FCC anywhere. I said, it wouldn't matter. I said, they they crash more than we crash all of our planes together. I said, it's just ridiculous. I said, somehow they can fly through cosmic radiation for millions of miles but when we get here, radar knocked them down. I Because I, I, I have fundamental problems with these things. We have little capsules we can send in space that radar can't knock, knock down. But they came. Nah, it just doesn't work for me. <laughs> There's just so many things. And, but it, it's hard to make people understand because they mistake things like landings for crashes. It, it's like Shag Harbor. And this is a purple, perfect example. If, if you read any of the crashes, whether it's Aztec, Roswell, or any of the other ones, Shag Harbor will teach you a lesson. A a plane came down, well, a ship came down in Nova Scotia. Um, Everybody thought it was an airplane. That's why so many people scrambled to go see what it was. It went underwater, made this big weird yellow foam, and then the thing started moving underwater. A lot of people seen this, so there's no question that. Quite a few military people came forward after that and discussed there was a unit, a diver's unit sent. Uh, to see what this thing was so it was, now it was was sitting off in the Atlantic Ocean off the coast of Nova Scotia and it was just sitting there and uh, they sent a diver unit and the divers observed this is with their own words another craft appeared surrounded the first craft in light they both started to ascend towards the surface the other light went off the craft the one craft went one way the other craft went the other way so this craft came in and repaired whatever was wrong with this other ship and then they both left um, now, this was witnessed by at least a half dozen divers, and I think two or three dozen sailors. Uh, so it's it's not like it's undocumented, and it has been discussed on air. It's just something they don't like to talk about because it it, it doesn't help to crash stories. Meaning that, well, Heather, if, if we crash an F twenty two in China, are we going to leave it there?
0: Uh, probably are we leave not. Our pilot there? Probably not. Not very likely.
3: Yeah, yeah, we had to end up in a war over this F-22. So, you know, the only way that humans are allowed to have ET technology is if they want us to have it. And and don't think that they're, they're above depositing technology to us. And what I mean by that is they don't necessarily be, a people, oh, well, we recovered this big saucer. Well, no, maybe you recovered an escape craft, or maybe you recovered a shuttle craft of some type. I don't think they're going to give us cosmic technology, because I don't think we're, we're ready for the cosmos yet. But Well,
0: let's talk thought, about uh, it. Uh, let's talk about Aztec, actually, when we come back. How about that? Uh, I got just a few seconds here. We got to take a break, but but let's get into this. Let's talk about Aztec. Let's talk about some crashes with Joe Montaldo, We'll be right back, everybody. Let's get right on back to Joe Montaldo, who is my guest tonight, uh, covering a lot of interesting ground tonight, that's for sure. And we've gotten ourselves on the subject of crashes, UFO crashes. And you were just talking about Shag Harbor, Joe. uh, Feel free. I mean, this is nothing I've ever heard about Shag Harbor before.
3: Oh no, Shag Harbor's like the staple. Uh, but before, don't let me forget. Before we we leave tonight, I want to tell y'all about uh, uh, a couple that had a reptilian experience in the woods. But
0: uh, oh, trust Shag me, Harbor, I'll make a note of that.
3: <laughs> uh, Shag Harbor is a great case, but it's mainly a great case because the whole dang town turned out. This thing came in, there were fishermen out on the, out fishing, there was people on the wharf, and even the rescue, I mean, the police came out, the harbor rescue came out, because it came down and hit the water, and everyone thought it was some kind of commercial airliner that came down, mm-hmm. so there was all kind of people out there, so when this thing took off underwater there was multiple witnesses. And the military, of course, both the American and Canadian militaries were alerted immediately. Uh, Matter of fact, one of the very first times I ever did live radio, late night live radio, um, was the share car was one of the cases we talked about because it's just such a good case. And, And, you know, so you get the initial case of this thing going down and all these witnesses seeing it go out there. And then I think maybe a decade goes by, maybe a little less, and these military guys come out and start talking about their experience I actually had quite a few of them on the show so there's this epic so UFO on the cover with these older ones but they're there
5: mm-hmm.
3: um, you can actually listen to these guys in their own words talk about what they seen underwater what was going on and it's funny because even a couple of them mentioned seeing uh, I guess what you would consider graze underwater. And they said they were wearing suits, but not like uh, dive suits, not what we would consider a dive suit anyway. Um, but they said they were moving around doing stuff to the craft. But it shows you that they're more, in- and this is this is an older case. So it shows you even back in the day, they were more interested in recovering their craft and leaving them behind, at least this type of craft. I, I, I got to say, because you know, if we lost a Cessna in China, we'd let them keep it. If we lost an airline in China, and unless they shot it down, we'd let them keep it. But, you know, advanced military technology, we wouldn't leave behind. And in this case, I think a real sauce, one of the ones that are interstellar craft, I don't think E.T. would let us have. But if it was like an escape pod or, or a shuttle craft or, or some type of cargo craft, I don't think they would so much care because I don't think the technology there would be a threat to them. I mean, there probably any, any, isn't any real weapons on board. There's no – you probably can't leave the solar system with it. There's probably no interstellar flight with it. It's, uh, and they're probably raggedy. And, and what I mean by that is they, if they impact on the surface, they would probably break up, whereas a saucer would probably impact intact. Is one of the very first things, and I've talked about this, and you you don't have to take my word—I've had Michio Kaku, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I've had several big-name scientists on talking about this. Any craft that can traverse the interstellar space, one is not going to probably break up on impact even at high speeds because it has to be designed to take micrometeorite hits at speeds we can't even think of that would just tear through one of our craft like their tissue paper. Oh yeah. So already already the, the hulls of these craft are much more designed than any type of shielding systems so odds are when it impacted the surface of our planet it would stay intact it probably wouldn't be a debris and it would probably be much larger than what we think it would be. So odds are those craft would be recovered in whole, but why would ET let us even keep one of them? They probably would They probably can retrieve it. But again, if this thing had an escape pod, or if it had a you know a shuttle craft, or if it had a cargo ship, that they might let us keep and say, "Here, look, humans. Uh, you want to learn something about technologies? Here you go. Use this. Backwards engineer this, and maybe you're okay." Because I got to be honest with you I don't think any technology, whatever crash or not crash, I don't think we're allowed to keep it. Come on, these guys can come through your house. They take people out of jail, they take people out of hospitals, they've taken politicians, they've taken everybody from every walk of life, and no one to date, even in 2017, can stop them. So I don't think anybody at Area 51 can stop them. If they want their ship, I think they're going to come take it. I don't think there's anything that we can do to stop it. I don't think there's anything we have, even in today's technology, that could shoot one down.
0: Well, and I think you're um, right, and I think that's why we don't have disclosure, because our military can't do anything about it, and they cannot come out and say, look, there's... Um possibly hostile, possibly not, uh, uh, aircraft in our skies. Yeah, guys, we we don't know what to do about it. There's nothing we can do about it, but we thought we'd let you know. Uh, They can't say that.
3: Well, and and then, then, look, we got, you know, the Foo Fighters of World War II that everybody saw. It didn't matter. You know, Germans thought it was ours. We thought it was theirs. Russians thought it was theirs. Nobody knew, and no one still to this day. Even here we are, with drone technology now, which is bad to the bone, we still can't reproduce what those craft were doing around our planes in 1944. In 1943, I mean, they were doing figure eights, loop loops around, leaving us, coming back. Even here we are 50, 60 years later, and we still can't replicate this technology so we know whatever it was was far more advanced than anything we understand today because you know drones are pretty bad now I mean they can do some pretty cool moves and spin around and flip over but they can't move at those kind of speeds and um, and they just can't do those kind of maneuvers they just especially if there's a pilot involved I I don't you know cases like that to me are, are better than anything else because You had great witnesses. Pilots are great observers. Uh, So you've had all these different pilots and all these different crews that seen these things. Everybody gave you great details on what went on from, what, 11 different air forces, both Allied and Axis, and none of them took credit for it.
0: None of them. And we don't have, drones are great, uh, but we also don't have drones that can go up to those altitudes. Uh, And yet we still have no explanation for what the Foo Fighters were or are. And another aspect about pilots running into UFOs that just makes my blood run cold is is when a UFO gets close to a pilot and their plane, and then all the power goes out in the plane. And now the pilot has to wonder, okay, well, what's going to happen now and then the ufo goes away and all the power comes back on and you know just in the nick of time they're able to save their lives i just wonder if there haven't been cases where the power didn't come back on and they weren't able to regain altitude in time I
3: i don't doubt that they've caused our planes to crash on more than one occasion i know back in the 60s there was several several reports of them but you know it was hard to tell because, you know, for me, it was weird. I was in the sci-fi when I was young. So in the 60s and 70s, I would hear these reports. Yeah, as a kid, I was like, yeah. to me, it was kind of like sci-fi. You know, it was, it was all wrapped up into the same thing. It wasn't until much later in life, in my 30s and 40s, that I realized, oh, wait a minute. She's <laughs> actually meant something back then. Because in Blue Book, by the way, there's a couple of cases in Blue Book where these craft approached one of our craft and the craft went down. The pilot had to eject. I can't find any where the pilot went missing or died, by the way. doesn't mean there isn't any. I just, I didn't find any, because, uh, you know, I, I was saying maybe we lost some pilots and maybe we lost something else. But frankly, I mean, if they wanted to keep people, how many people go missing a year on this
0: planet? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I know we've lost pilots. Uh, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I have run across two or three cases uh, where pilots have been lost. And and I think one of them was a Russian case where they lost pilots. So it's not just us. um, And it does happen. Mm -hmm. It
3: it happens in multiple things. And, you know, in, in Russia's talked about craft. See, so like with the you know, you got all these these witnesses, and 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 poor Aztec, regardless what it was, got labeled as a fraud right off the get go. And, and then the guy's name is Scully. I love the guy's name is Scully, by the way. I can't help it, guy. The guy the I
0: know, isn't I that just, cool?
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh, every time it, it makes it hard for me to concentrate. I'm like, man, because I, I guess because I've read about the Aztec case many times. So for some reason, it never rang Scully and Scully. It just never. I don't know. And that, for some reason, the other day when I was reading it, I was like, "Damn, that is who that is." That's where they get the
0: idea from. But yeah, that is where Chris Carter got the name from.
3: <laughs> whatever you think about him, because I see Scott Ramsey did some pretty good work. I see a couple of other ufologists did some good work on it. But regardless what you think happened tonight, I got to be honest with y'all. These, I don't think there was a crash at Aztec. I do. It was probably a craft that landed. What's interesting to me is they discover they talk about all these bodies 14 to 16 alien bodies and they talk about suits. Now, it's, we have heard about blue suits, gray suits, green suits, a couple other color suits on grays, and sometimes it's like a silver color, and then sometimes it just seems to be well, in the buff. Uh, there's no other way to say it.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, But regardless, we've heard about it, so that's that's not uncommon. And some of the other stuff they said is not uncommon for a contact. But for them to have have set down a craft and been retrieving bodies from the craft, I would have thought it would have been more long that whoever their representative was did a -a ring-a-ling and said, look... We got a craft coming down that got contaminated in deep space. We're going to set it down. We'd like you to retrieve the bodies and the, and, and remove the craft to this place and we'll retrieve the craft. More than likely, if, if any of that's true, that's probably what went down. Because I, I can't think of anything on Earth that would bring down the type of saucer they were talking about. Because these days, we have some pretty good information on on, on the different types of saucers. And, and in this case, if they got 16 or 20 grays on board, this is a fairly big craft. Because remember, most of the craft you hear of talk about the grades, there's three pilots. They link in, they actually, the uh, where the cockpit is or whatever you want to call it, the bridge, there's this thing where they each one slots in. There's one at the head that slots in and two slots in behind, and they basically merge with the ship. They kind of meld in, uh, become part of the ship. So, And that's usually who's controlling them, craft, and then there'll usually be the three that are doing whatever the abductions they got on. So when you start talking about more than that, You're talking about a pretty big craft. And in this case, there were probably still aliens alive in the craft if they only took 16 or 14 out of craft that size. So it makes me wonder what was going on here. Now, remember, this wouldn't be our first case that we know of where E.T. stopped and exchanged something with the government. We know about the one in Seattle, Washington. We know about the one in Oregon. We know about the one down in, in Florida. And there was one other one in uh, Louisiana somewhere. Um, Actually, the funny one about the one in Louisiana, that's when Bush... I forgot all about this. i bring this up real quick. Uh, During 9-11, when Bush was coming to Louisiana to hide out, uh, this actually happened. There was supposedly a a landing that met with him uh, when he was on the tarmac in Louisiana.
0: Are we talking George Sr. or George Jr.?
3: We're talking about Baby Bush. Uh, wow. The daddy, to me, it's Daddy Bush and Baby Bush. And I had forgot all about this. Shame on me. Uh, I actually put all this into things because sooner or later I know it'll get used or talked about, but I had forgot about that. That is the latest incident I can think of. But there's a bunch of other ones where we know that ships have landed in different locations uh, for different reasons and either exchanged people. I know in, in the Washington case, it was actually I'm pretty sure um, what's the movie um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind Mm -hmm. was based on the story of the Washington case because they said this thing came and landed and they swapped grays for humans
0: interesting
3: there was some kind of exchange also two different presidents had gone there to this base and had talked with these aliens so um, that's why I always tell people. I don't think the government knows that much more than researchers, and some of the more select people. I don't even know the government knows what they know. That's why the government's so interested in Milab and people all the time, because you know, if you know about operations or craft or different things that are going on at different locations, the government may have an interest in that,
5: mm-hmm.
3: uh, because they're trying to figure out just like we are. Why are all these aliens bugging us on our planet? Uh, is are we related to them? Do we have to worry about being wiped out? I always tell my friends in the government the same thing. Well, guys, they've been here a long time. If they were here to enlighten us, we'd be enlightened. If they were here to kill us, we'd be dead. <laughs> said, pretty really, much.
0: I mean, I, that is pretty much back. it. Yeah. Um. Really. 10,
3: years ago, how many people were here?
0: What's that? 5 million.
3: I said 10,000 years ago. How many people were here? 10, 15 million. What, they, what did they have? Spears? <laughs> I'm just saying. It would have been pretty easy to wipe us out.
0: Uh. Yeah, well, that's an excellent point, actually. Uh, if... if if they did want to wipe us out and they have control over space and time as we're led to believe then just go back in time pull a Borg right go back in time and just wipe us out when we were experiencing a a biological bottleneck it'd be so easy but that was not done Um, and then with the Aztec case what I I find kind of creepy about it is that there were three okay so two extraterrestrials type Grays who are in the pilot positions, but then down below there's uh, 16 cryogenic chambers, 14 of which are occupied, three of which are humanoid babies. Uh, and and then most of the, they thought, and this is just so wild, why would the government think this? They thought, perhaps, if they get these cryogenic chambers out, they may find the bodies of abducted humans. Well, if the government has no interest in UFOs, and UFOs don't exist, how would they even think that? Uh, that is such a bunch of bull. Of course they have interest in UFOs. Um, so then we've got several humanoid bodies, in addition to the three humanoid babies one of them they try to open the chamber and revive the being inside and it kind of tries to come to life and then it just expires and they don't know why and then another one they were able to uh, apparently revive I don't know how um and it's just a very confusing case. As soon as I learned about the Aztec case, I start asking about it. And I'm telling you, Joe, every person I asked gave me a different explanation and a different That's story.
3: Not, it's not uncommon for anybody who's had any interaction with, well, we would all commonly call them men in black. Because, look, men in black, first of all, I've, I've, I've bumped into them more than once. And, and you know, and I know I've talked about the, the other case, but... You know, these guys, a lot of times, are sharp-dressed. They're not... They're just, it's just something... That I It's almost like their presence messes with your mind. It's. It's. it's it, it almost leaves like a ripe sense, a sense of confusion. I don't know what it is. Um, it's... it's you know, a lot of people think they're hybrids, and they may be hybrids, or it may be some type of technology they've gotten their hands on. I don't know what it is, but after an encounter, you always feel kind of groggy, uh, a little... Out of it a little forgetful, even for a couple of days sometimes you 'll be forgetful after I can 't tell you how many experiences you know people have talked about like that um, and, and and what happens is is in cases like this, once they 've experienced them, then the memories become fragmented, and you remember this, and he remembers that, and they don 't always jive, and there 's problems and 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 in this case, you know obviously. Somebody asked me the other day, because I was told them I, uh, I had put it on one of the Facebook pages I was going to talk about it with you, and and I, and I said, no, I said, obviously something happened. I said, I know they tried to write it off as a fraud, I said, but when I went back and read through some of the other stuff, uh, I, said, I, I said, something happened. I said, you know, and since I know we had so many landings throughout, especially in the early days, especially during the wartime for some reason, uh, we seem to have quite a few landings, um, there must have been a reason why, and in this case... Uh, they needed something retrieved from that craft, more than likely something they didn't want to retrieve themselves, or something that they couldn't retrieve themselves. Uh, there's no telling what went on because they could have destroyed the craft. They didn't. They landed it, um, and there was no real destruction. Everybody pretty much described it, you know, as a landing, not as a crash or a soft landing, whatever you want to call it. But it it seemed like it came in under control. Uh, so there was a reason why. The problem is is like everything else, the government's very well versed in disinformation and confusion tactics. And, you know, and and it's not always, it's like the documents, when I'm looking at the documents, all documents have some truths and some lies. It's it's easier uh, to swallow a lie with a little truth in it. It Mm -hmm. just is. Mm -hmm. And they're really good at doing it. So, yes, something landed there what it was we're going to try to be guessing about for decades um i mean from the descriptions it sounds like a gray craft it is a saucer then i do see what we would consider to be grays and people get confused about the grays anyway the three foot guys some of them have really big heads some of them have smaller heads they're still bigger than ours, mind you but uh and the grays come in assorted colors and assorted sizes we we, there's the three foot there's like three varieties of the three foot then there's the five, six foot ones and there's these ones that are about seven, eight foot and then whatever you want to call it, the queen or whatever, somewhere around nine foot tall. And the weird part is this society seems to work off of a height hierarchy, which I know is not true, but it seems that way. It seems to be your rank and your power is judged by your height. Hmm. Uh, it's, which I'm sure that's not how it is. It just appears that way. Because, you know, the three foot guys seem to be doing a lot of the, the drudging experiments up close with the humans. And the five, six foot guys do too. They seem to be. But the five, six foot guys seem to be more messing with the humans on psychological wavelengths. Uh, some of them are even doing training and, and things along that time. Usually, usually humans don't even mess with the seven foot or taller one. So. Probably royalty, who knows.
0: Well, you know, it,
3: it's, time with the other ones.
0: it's real difficult to make sense of a situation where you're trying to interpret the actions of beings we can't talk to. So this is what makes it very difficult for us. Um, it'd be so much easier if we could just sit down with some greys and have a talk, but we can't do that, or at least not yet.
3: Boy, it would be nice if, if, if when they communicated, because a lot of times, they communicate with images which for them is probably great you probably get some more information out but I I use this example all the time right now I got a cup in my hand so when I image you this cup that I'm holding what exactly am I trying to tell you Am I trying to tell you what's in the cup? am I trying to tell you the cup's half full? Am I trying to show you the color of the cup? I mean, what is it? So that's all left up to humans to interpret. Well, we're really bad about interpreting things.
0: Oh, horrible. Oh, yeah, horrible. And, and if it's me trying to interpret something, I'm instantly going to go to the worst possible case scenario. You know, uh, I'm going to go, oh, it's a cup. Uh, why are you trying to poison me? You know? That's just that's just how my mind works. Um, yeah. And uh, then
3: if he's if he's imaging you something you've never seen before, um, how how are you gonna deal with that? Or try and explain to you there? you haven't noticed and this gets me in so much trouble with the ufology world, you haven't noticed that all the alien names can be said in English?
0: Yes, I do notice that, which I find um, pretty suspicious.
3: (laughs) I was like, really? Somebody said, well, that's just being translated. I I said, wait a minute. I said, since some of these beings don't even use a verbal type communication, and more of an image. I said, how are you getting that name out of that image? I said, I'm just confused. Oh, well, they're showing a star cluster. I said, so you're telling me that they named their planet after what we call a star cluster. I said, now I'm really confused.
0: Mm, right because why would it be yeah. a star cluster to them? I mean it, we're applying many human terms to yeah. to an alien sensibility if there is such a thing. I mean their ideas uh, are going to be so it's so incredibly different from ours, aren't they? Uh, if if we're dealing truly with an extraterrestrial intelligence, their ideas are going to be so different from us. We really should have a hard time making sense of it. We really shouldn't be able to pronounce these things. You know, I don't know. Again, if I could only ask, right? If you could only yeah. interview a gray and ask, we'd have all these answers. But we're left tr- well, with... They, they,
3: they, they're hard interviews, let me tell you. We've tried in the past. Just, they do not they're not real good about giving interviews. What I mean by that leads to them, we, we have a practice at ICAR where we'll pick 50 or 100 contactees, whatever we get at the time, and we'll give them a question, and every night before they go to bed, or every day when they get up, we'll have them repeat the question in their head all day long. So the next time they're taken by a gray, when the gray scans them, the question is automatic, like, you know, uh, how long do grays live? Mm-hmm. You know, you program that with 100 people, well, then they're going to scan it. That's a, and that's not a question that's going to get a, a, an abductee in trouble. And the gray is going to answer without thinking about it because they're all tele, very telepathic and they seem to communicate with each other at whim. So a lot of stuff they're just going to ignore and something like that would just be answered and moved on. And we've used this a lot. To try to solve different riddles and, and different and different things, and and since nobody knows each other, none of the contactors we use know each other, it makes it a blind study. So when I get fifty questions and I get the same answer back from fifty people, it's a little bit weird. Uh, you're kind of like, really, you know? Or like when we asked about the blue plasma, and all fifty people came back with the same answer. Actually, all seventy-five people came back with the same answer. You know? And what we do is we have all you know other directors often you know and then it often damn it excuse my language and i can't spit it out for some reason but anyway authenticated so that you know they know it's all legit and and up and up but Mm -hmm. it works really really well it doesn't mean that they don't lie
0: well sure but that's incredibly smart and very creative um i would love to do a show with you just on the questions that you've had abductees pose and the Uh, answers that you've gotten back i mean i could talk to you about that for three hours
3: we we asked one time uh why is it that you do harmful things to humans? Mm-hmm. And everybody came back with the same response. We don't do that.
0: We don't do that. Well, according to us, you yeah. do. From from where we're sitting, that. you do. Uh, we got to take another break, Joe. But when we come back, I'll remind you to talk about the reptilian encounter. And we'll open up the phone lines and see what's on the minds of the listeners out there. Joe Montaldo, everybody. And when we come back, I am going to open up those phone lines, so get out your telephonic device and start manipulating it. I'm Heather Wade. Well, it is that time of night, the phone lines. Phone lines are open, everybody, and if you didn't catch the phone numbers as they've been given out, all night tonight then you can go to midnightinthedesert.com and you'll find all the phone numbers there there's a post that is always sort of floating you know rather high on the page there midnightinthedesert.com it says how to listen and sign up click on that scroll down just a just a tick or two and you'll find all the phone numbers to make it into the show and if especially if you have had an Encounter, if you are an abductee or a contactee, we certainly want to hear from you tonight. Um, I know Joe Montalda wants to hear from you, so uh, let's get into it, shall we? And if you can't make it in on the phones, time travelers out there can send your comments, your questions in through the wormhole, and I'll work those into the conversation. And uh, you can also call the show on Skype if you have it. If you're in North America, then just look for mitd Eleven on Skype when you have Skype open. And if you're not in North America, well, then you can type MITD21 into the Skype search bar, and that way you'll make your way to the program. So uh, I do have something to ask Joe before we take our first phone call. So I just want to let you know, as soon as you hear the show audio on your device, that's how you know you're about to be on the air. And I just take the calls one at a time. So you may have to wait a couple of minutes. But if you hear the show audio on your device, then you know you're about to be on the air. All you have to do is sit tight. That way you know you're in the right place. All right. And um, welcome back, Joe. Uh, So tell me about this reptilian encounter in the woods. I'm dying to hear this.
3: This is a very strange encounter. We had heard similar encounters down in bayous, but this one actually comes out of Denver. Mm. out of Colorado, I should say northern Denver uh this is a couple fairly probably just been married four or five months uh the The wife had been having weird experiences, but she wasn't sure what they was and you know, she was telling her husband about it, but she didn't want to really get into it much. I mean, they are newlyweds, and she didn't want to run her husband off and So anyway, one night they're leaving some friend's houses. They're driving through this uh, basically some mountain pass up there. And she said they're driving along, and uh, they were headed towards this forest, and she noticed there was a light following behind the car. And she, she said at first she thought it maybe was another vehicle, and she was talking to her husband, and he said, No, nah, maybe it looks a little high. Maybe it's a plane, you know, a small plane flying low to the ground.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: She said it, it started to illuminate more and getting brighter instead of pulsing it as it started approaching the car. And she said it was probably four or 500 yards behind the car when they both realized it wasn't a vehicle. And if it was a plane, it was a plane about getting ready to crash into him. So he said... He storms. He starts driving faster. They're nearing some national forest. He said, as they got close to the forest, the car just died. Now this is classic alien abduction 101. The car just dies. Like, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that, I could retire. Uh, they pull off to the side of the road. The thing stops. They get out. They're staring at this thing. They you know what it is, but they both have this sense of fear uh, on what what is this. So the thing starts to approach them and they said as it, they start backing and backing up towards the woods, and, and, and they were kinda just getting into the tree line, backing up, when the thing got really close, it got really bright, and the next thing they knew there were three guys, or three reptilians, they described as three reptilian males standing there, just standing on the ground in front of them. The guy said, he, he kinda panicked at first, and then he grabbed his wife's hand and went to run, and he said the one just reached out, grabbed him by the throat, and lifted him up the tree and just slammed him into the tree. And he said he was having a hard time breathing. He said, but still, at the same time, he had the sense that the thing didn't want to kill him, which I'm not exactly sure where that was coming from. Oh, yeah,
0: because, because was, that sounds incredibly friendly to me. I don't know why you yes, could misinterpret that's,
3: that. That's what I'm That's what I'm saying. So I'm like, well, what is this, some kind of empathy thing? He said, he's holding me there, and he hears this chatter behind him. I guess it was the other two making some noise. And he said, the other one like started sniffing and looked over at his wife. And when he did, he just turned his hand and just flung him against the tree next to him. And he just kind of slid down the tree. He said, I was kind of half in and half. He said, next thing I know, he said, the three of them, one of them basically got his wife under his arm like a potato sack and they're running through the woods. So this, this guy is, he said, he's just, at first he was just sitting there crying because he didn't know what else to do he said he was just terrified so he said he finally mustered up some courage because he could hear his wife scream at distance so he's he's trying to get in the woods he's trying to find he's got it got it just tells you how this wasn't that long ago because he had his phone out lighting up the woods mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm thinking i'm thinking yeah well you know everybody would do it so I'm, I'm thinking when he just said it for some somebody he gave me a chuckle so he's walking through and he said he can still hear, it he said he's hearing this weird growl, a hissing sound. And then he said he walked up, and one of them was just stand there in front of his face. And he said he just got the sense of um, it saying, what are you doing here? He said, not quite that polite, but it was much more forceful. What do you think you're doing here? And he said it just pushed him off. Uh, and he went sailing again. he said... He said, he said, and I could feel its claws kind of digging into my chest when it pushed me off. He said, it actually left uh, marks on my chest. And he said, and I, I could just hear my wife screaming. He said, I could see her clothes laying all over. He said, but I couldn't see her. And then he said, I just heard her scream, something, something, blank, 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 blank. Stop it now. And he said, the whole thing just was like surreal. Like the whole contact just stopped. He said, when he looked up, The aliens were gone, his wife was sitting there shivering, screaming, crying, totally naked, sitting in the woods, just bawling her eyes out, uh, pretty beat up, pretty roughed up. Um, But when she she used, he said it was a forceful scream, he said, and when she did that, they just stopped and left. Hmm. he said he said it was almost and he said it was just and you know we're condensing it down ladies and gentlemen this experience lasts for like four or five hours just wow. to put this in perspective this, this oh. i mean i'm making it sound like it's much shorter than what it was um i know and i hate to say it, this woman's still undergoing therapy even today and it's hard for her because when she describes this you know first off people always the psychiatrists, say, oh well your, your husband raped you And she said, no, it was not what happened. And of course, when she tells them what happened, they really think she's nuts.
0: Yeah, sure, because that's how a psychologist would interpret that. Well, your mind is just protecting you. It wasn't a reptilian from outer space. Your husband did this to you, and this is your mind's way of coping with that. Uh, But I wonder, I just wonder if the husband is also interviewed. He probably tells his side of the story, but I can see how a psychologist would interpret it that way. And if you insist and you say, no, I'm telling you exactly what happened, this is the reason reason, Joe, people don't want to come out and tell their stories. This kind of treatment right here.
3: Well, uh, I think, I think I, I have to go check the file to be sure. I think he went underwent seven polygraphs, passed every one, by the way. Wow. Uh, seven, because they, they they thought this guy did this. I mean, she was beat up pretty bad. I've seen the pictures. I mean, she was, I mean, all inside her thighs, all the way down her cast were just bruised purple. Uh, I mean, she was beat up pretty rough. And, uh, but what's weird about this is it's not the first case we've heard of a reptilian taking a human woman or a human man for that matter, female reptilians do it too so, but what we have learned about all of this is because somehow or another they think you're related through them through some kind of DNA so they got some kind of hierarchy where if they're an alpha or, or a young male or a young female associated to an alpha, they think they have the right to do whatever because you're somehow related to their family line uh, you have to be forceful and it's not even as much screaming or yelling being forceful as in your mind you have to project whatever it is across to them to make them understand no you're wrong this ain't right and and every person has told me once they've learned to do that those type of contacts stop Mm -hmm. but it's almost like in some way they're almost testing the person to see if they can even figure that out. Whatever it is, and it doesn't happen to all reptilian contactees, by the way, but a good third of them, this is something that happens until they figure it out happens fairly regularly. I wish I knew why, Uh, it just does.
0: Well, maybe they don't want people who are going to fight back too much. Maybe she was just fighting back so much um, because it strikes me as odd. Here they are being very forceful with the couple, and then all of a sudden they just stop. Uh, Maybe they they just just don't want to deal with people who fight back a whole lot. Maybe some people fight back a little bit, and then they give up. And maybe some people don't fight back at all um, because they're unable for whatever reason. But if I was in the reptilian's position, boy, doesn't that sound weird? just say out loud. Um, <laughs> if, if I was the extraterrestrials in this case, um, you know, it would probably be a signal. You know, this is just too much trouble right here. We can go get somebody else who isn't going to fight back like this. Uh, so let's just go get be. somebody else.
3: It might be some contact you say it's a respect thing that they only expect respect a certain type of authority. I have no idea. I mean, we, we could speculate all night, but they do tend to stop for some reason or another, but you know they can be quite rough, quite brutal. And then there's the other half to this, which is just another weirdness. And you can call this a dark abduction, but it doesn't sound like one until you understand why. So we get these cases, these beautiful women or these beautiful men, and I mean literally, you know, really beautiful women, earthly women. I'm talking about, and, and men from our planet. They're just gorgeous women, and they meet these just ungodly beautiful male or female people. They're just like overflowingly beautiful, and they give off this sense of love and happiness and calm, and you just want to be part of it. It's like you want to be absorbed by them. Well, at first, I thought they were just talking about light beings, but that's not what they were talking. About. I said, well, maybe it's a human. I No, that wasn't what they were talking about. So finally. We got brave. I should say we got brave. A couple of them got braved, and we did some serious regression. So one of the cases, I'm talking to him, and described describing. I said, "Well, just run your hand along your skin and tell me what you feel." It's almost like porn, and uh, she starts describing. And she says, "Well, it feels like almost like like a suede, or a, it's, it's 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 warm to the touch, but not like warm like our skin is warm." So then. Out of it wide awake, she goes, Oh my god, it's a reptilian. She said, This now, now, this is her word. She said, I can't say everything she said, but she said, I have been making love to this thing for eight years, thinking this was some beautiful person. Said, even shared they even went on airplanes together, and it turned out to be a reptilian. I was like. So then, you know, because everybody always tells me about shape-shifting, which I'm not a big fan of because I don't think corporeal beans... um that are made out of flesh and blood can shapeshift like that. I think if you're made out of energy, I don't think it's a big deal. But I think for someone who's made out of flesh and blood, it's a much bigger deal than we want to. <laughs> in sci-fi, it sounds pretty easy, but in reality, I don't. I don't think.
0: Well, sure. Uh, but if you if you have advanced technology, how difficult would it be to just project a different image? You know, uh, in witchcraft, we call that a glamour, right? Uh, that's not very hard to do. You can put out a different image than what you actually are. Are, and that's not shape shifting in the true sense. That's just fooling someone with a different appearance.
3: Then, well, we we know that they they use some technology just which makes them appear look different. And then we know with the grays, especially the grays seem to be able to do it through thought. Anyone within range of, of vision of them, which is, which would be in thought range, will only see them as whatever they're projecting. Now, that's why we get somebody. Sometimes you'll get like ten contactees. Or, say, oh, we got abducted by grades, but each one tells me a different looking being. I'm like, well, wait a minute. It was the same alien. It's not ten aliens. It was one alien. How come everybody's telling me it looks different? Because uh, it can use whatever's in your own brain against you. But mm-hmm. uh, So a lot of times, that's what it is. And, and in these cases, I think in these cases it's more like an overlay of something and maybe technologically based for the reptilians but they tend to use it a lot and and they tend to do it quite a bit so and yet what's funny about this is is all throughout history whether it's Mesoamerican, Egyptian, European reptilians had a thing for human women and reptilian girls had a thing for human guys and it's really weird that it's all written in our history and in today today's abduction research we find it to be prevalent in the field. Now you know I know Earth Girls are easy, but really, two billion miles? Come on, it's just that. Just something about that just irritates me. Just- yeah, you know, it
0: always has me too. Um, I just don't quite understand it. But again, we're trying to piece something together with bits and pieces of information that we have, yep. and we don't even know what the puzzle we're putting together here even looks like. So we have no idea. We're just trying to piece different. Bits of information, bits of information we get from the government, bits we get from experiencers and contactees and all of it. and uh, to try to put together a whole picture. and And it's almost impossible to do that without all the information or without you know interviewing. One of them, uh, but let's let's jump into calls here while we've got them, uh, while we have while we have the time, because I I could talk to you so easy, just me and you for the whole night, Joe. I know. Uh, uh, let it'd me be easy th- too. Oh yeah. Um, well, we'll go to the first time caller line, and you're on the air with Joe Montaldo. Welcome to the show.
6: Thank you. Uh, yeah, regretfully, this is our first time call since uh, you've been on the air, there, Heather. Uh, and hello, Joe.
0: Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for calling in tonight. What's on your mind?
6: Um, I really love uh, Joe's point of view on a lot of things. It really hits really close to a lot of my point of views, uh, like especially when he was talking about, you know, these crafts have to travel at tremendous speeds, and then you have one that just crashes and, you know, falls apart. You know, come on, uh, you know, I I don't believe that's so, you know, I think they can handle a lot more than that. And the the last point was uh, when you were talking about the aircraft, about losing power or crashing, mm-hmm. there was an American aircraft that did disappear chasing a UFO. It was uh, November of 1953. The U.S. Air Force uh, dispatched an aircraft with uh, a pilot and a co-pilot or navigator over Lake Superior chasing the UFO. Witnesses say that they saw the UFO uh, reverse course and merge with the plane, and then they disappeared.
0: Mm-hmm. I knew it. I knew it. I just can't remember any of those cases right off the top of my head right now. Uh, I know that they that they do exist out there, though. Uh, what was that, Joe?
3: Oh, I was just thinking that it, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, it, it, it's hard but for them picking us up or even sending us... Sometimes I think when they're here, because sometimes they're in smaller craft, I think sometimes they actually just transport, not so much to where they are, but to wherever their mothership is parked nearby. Uh, Because sometimes a craft just seems too small for some of the things they pick up. Because, come on, sometimes they take you in your damn car. Uh, I Mm. mean, I I can't see you putting your car in a small craft. And, you know, we know they've taken planes. We know a couple of times people have been taken in Cessnas and in um, Lears. There's been been at least a half dozen occasions where somebody was... uh, taken on the whole lear jet was taken on board, the people were taken and they were put back in the plane and put back in the disguise. Some people think that's what happened to the lear that crashed because it, it lost uh its cabin and killed everybody on board and then crashed it was on autopilot for like half a day or something. Um even the even they were kinda suspicious that it stayed on autopilot with you know with choppy and turbulence and never got knocked off course. <laughs> everybody mm-hmm. was kinda like, That's just a little weird. Um mm-hmm. so a lot of people thought that was but we, we get cases like that where somebody will report their whole plane being on or their whole boat being on hell we got one case in um, near Devil's Triangle off, the, off near the Bermuda I should say near the Bermuda Triangle where a whole I think it was a 60 foot or, I'm sorry it was a 90 foot yacht that was taken with 100 people on board uh um, and what gets me about this is they all want to talk about this, but when I try to get them to come on the radio, I know, no, no. no oh, no.
0: yeah. Yeah, sometimes.
3: Let, 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 I said, I said, let me do a public statement. Oh, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. They, don't,
0: they
3: don't want to talk that. It. Yeah. It's like the case in um, Mount Rainier where 200, there was 200 Boy Scouts and G- Girl Scouts plus the troop leaders and everybody, right, went up there to go spend a couple of days on Mount Rainier and uh, a saucer, They they seen it first. They seen it come out of the volcano. Then they see seen it go back in the volcano. Then the next thing they know, something. I think they said sixty or seventy military trucks rolled up, and they spent the next eight days being interrogated and threatened. Um, It's a big case, but even they, I mean, I got maybe a handful of them to go public. The rest of them didn't want to say anything. And when you tried to ask them, they were like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about
0: it. That's most people. Uh, So that's why any time I get an abductee who wants to come on the air and tell their story, I will thank them for coming on just about every single break. And people ask me, why do you do that? Why do you do that? Because these people normally don't want to talk. And they especially don't want to come out and talk with their first and last name and with a photo of themselves. And here's where to find me. You can email me. Uh, no, most people aren't going to do that. And the really good stories, as you know, Joe, never make it to the air. Uh, those are the really, really good uh, ones yeah. where you're almost begging the person, will you please come on and tell me what you know, or government employees, you know, please come on and tell everybody wow. what you know. We'll give you a different name if you want. And they'll go, no, no, I'm not even going to, not even going to take the chance, but I, um, I, I do appreciate the call. Uh, I want to find out if he has a question Uh Uh, Before we let him go here, Uh, caller on the first time caller line, did you have a question for Joe, or is that all?
6: Oh, that was all. Uh, It was just a a pleasure talking to you both.
0: Well, I do appreciate it. Yeah, don't be a stranger. Um, So you know, those are the best stories—the ones that you just can't get the person to come on the air and talk. But I always have to respect that privacy. And when people say, you know, don't tell any part of my story, especially don't say my name, um, then I have to honor that.
3: Oh, yeah, because you get get a lot of cases where I get a good probably 90% of what I get, people will write to me. And they'll even correspond with me back and forth. but. A lot of times it'll be because they heard me somewhere or seen me somewhere. And they're like, I just wanted to let you know what happened. I'm, I'm not looking for support of this. And, and I'll always write them back and say, well, thanks for writing in. Everything you write is confidential. And if you ever need some help or need somebody to talk to, you can get hold to one of us here. And it's, it's just a standard response we do because you're just grateful people write in. Because, you know, remember, ICAR is doing a long-term comparison study. So the more data we get, and the more people who send us data, the more likely we're going to get to the truth. It's not that we're not going to get misled and it's not that it's not going to be lies, because there is. But for the most part, it's, and I got to tell you, most people complain to me all the time about those questionnaires because they're seventy-five, eighty, 95, one hundred questions long. They're made like that on purpose. The average one takes between three and four hours to do. The average hoax is not going to spend that much time on a hoax.
0: Well, they're not going to um, remember everything about their lie for a seventy-five hundred word questionnaire, right? Yeah. So yeah,
3: so it works real good. It filters out a lot of a lot of the problems and people take them, and and they're really detailed, and that's the whole point. Because really, I mean we find little things that, you know, like things like dumb things like, you know, contactees and abductees have you know interest in paranormal a lot of them you know like dragons or dungeons or any anything weird like that sci-fi you find a good half of them are just sci-fi freaks that's cuz they're looking for answers you'll also find things like that most of them have tried different religions tried new age religions tried wicca tried the dark arts tried a lot of different stuff cuz they're looking for answers a lot of them end up in the arts and the in the magical arts because They're trying to understand what it is that's going on in our life. They're trying to understand some of their gifts. So they're looking for ways to deal and cope with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And and in some ways it helps, but in a lot of ways it doesn't. Uh, Because then you get wrapped up and you start thinking it's something else and what it is more than what it is. Um, It's like telepathic people or empathic people. All my colleagues always tell me, everybody has. No, that's not true. We've tested a lot of people over the years and no, it's not true half of the people we've test can't even get 50 50 right <laughs> and that that's just playing the odds so i mean obviously no not everybody is telepathic or empathic it seems to be a select group of our society um and and they seem some of them seem to be much more so than others and if everybody was telepathic the government wouldn't need to, to go mess with the highly telepathic contactees they wouldn't be recruiting them for different types of ops. It's it's, you know, like Ed Dames with them and in, in, in their remote viewing. Remote viewing is great, but it's not near as good as a telepath is. Right. Viewing, you, can, you can see an area, you can see the desk, but a telepath can actually read what's in the guy's hand. Uh, I mean, he's seeing everything that the individual they're seeing through is seeing. So it's a different kind of experience. Uh, and they both serve a purpose. Remote view is good for finding missiles and locations and, and places like that. It's really good for that kind of stuff. Finding details, you need a good telepath.
0: Well, uh, somebody, I, would, say I would think. I would think. Well, on uh, line one, you're on the air, but I have to take a break right now. Would you hang on over the break and then you can talk to Joe when we come back? Sure. Well, all right. Thank you. Uh, Thank you very much for that. All you got to do is stay right where you are. You're definitely in the right place. And Joe, same with you. We got a lot to talk about and thankfully plenty of time to talk about it in. Uh, So... Look, phone lines are open If you would like to call up with a question Or an experience that you've had You are more than welcome here And like I said, if you do have an experience You don't have to give us your name or your location If you don't want to I'm Heather Wade and we'll be back in a moment Oh, I just love that song Oh, I I could play that song every night It's a good one But I don't try to be careful with that So Joe Montaldo is here One of my favorite people to talk to And the phone lines are open For all of you to call in And let's get right into it Because we do have a caller who has patiently waited Over the break Joe, you ready for this?
3: Oh, I'm always ready for calls. That's my favorite thing.
0: <laughs> me too, actually. Me too. It's the only way we know um, really what the reaction is to everything we're saying. Um, it's let the me whole s- reason
3: I go to conferences for the Q&A. <laughs> <I go. laughs>
0: well, here we go. Uh, sir, you are back on the air. Thank you for calling and go right ahead.
7: Hi, my name is Peter. I'm from in Bothell, Washington.
0: Mm-hmm. Welcome
7: to the show. Thank you, and I just had a quick statement I wanted to make for the benefit of a lady that Joe was talking about earlier, the one who had the abduction where the alien took her eyes out and mocked her about quoting Jesus. Is that correct?
3: Oh, yeah, that's good, yeah.
7: Yeah, okay. I just want to make a quick statement. I don't want to—it doesn't need to be an argument, but a quick statement for the benefit of anyone else listening and that lady eventually in the future, just because, for example— People say the name of God out loud when they curse all the time, and you know, when they say Jesus Christ out loud mm-hmm. when they curse, and they say God, and then the word damn it. It doesn't mean they believed in those Church. in that God. There's a big difference between believing in your heart that He's Son of God, Jesus, and then using His name. That's a big difference. My submission is that that lady probably, she may think she's a believer. She may have gone to church. She may have, you know, done the religious thing like a lot of people do where they flirt with religion and stuff, but she probably does not really believe. If she studies the Bible, I think she will find the answer for that. And will, I have heard of stories where people have repelled these occurrences using the name of Christ because, in my opinion and the opinion of many others, they are most certainly demonic. There's no other there's no other way to describe the
3: stuff that you've been talking about. Well, I, could, I could see where you thought that. i I can understand why a lot of people thought it was demonic. Mm-hmm. but you know, I was raised from in a very religious family. I was raised Catholic, converted to Baptist. My wife was raised Pentecostal, and I mean strict Pentecostal. I've got several friends who are preachers and and actually spread the word on a regular basis, but they actually agree with me. Uh, they don't think it's demonic. They think it's another just an, for the most part. What they really, most of my religious friends believe, it's just yet another house in God's man or another room in God's mansion, uh, and that's what they they personally believe. But I, I tell this to everybody, and, and I always tell you, if you think it works for you, or if you truly believe, and it may, and that's what gives you that sense of being, that sense of wellness, that sense of whatever it is. Like I said earlier, it makes you feel snug in a bug in a rug. That's what you should believe. And I'm I'm full hearted on that because, you know, it's it's your soul. You're the ones in check with it. You're the one that's got to answer for it in the end. And I tell people all the time, if if I'm enough to make you, and I don't mean you personally, but if I'm enough to make you question your religious, then you weren't really a believer to start off with, were you? So I, I do understand what you're saying, and I can understand. You know, I've I've worked with the Alien Resistance Movement, who personally believe they believe that it's demonic possession. But I got to be honest with you. I've regressed many of their people over the years, and it always turns out to be extraterrestrial and not demonic. Uh, so for me, it's, it's like anything else. We weren't God's first creation. We're probably not going to be God's last creation. Um, to what interaction goes on between us and the omnipotent super being, that's anybody's best guess, just like what goes on with other races around the universe. Um, this is a big, big universe, and I guarantee you we're not the only thing in it mm-hmm. uh, by any by any means, sure. so so what it really comes down to is, you know, you, you can label things demonic, and you can label things however you want. In the end, there is something going on here that sometimes we would consider to be bad, sometimes we would be considered to be good. Because very bad abduction, there's a good one, and for for both of those, there's one that's kind of benign and in between, uh, where they're learning something or doing something. I don't think demons are going to take time to teach you how to work certain things aboard spacecraft or even teach you how to be in, in certain situations, whether it's in a battle-type situation or even in just a learning-type situation. That goes beyond anything that you—it's its too much for demons to even really conceive in that area. So i leave it for what it is. I, I figure some of it probably might be demonic. I won't rule that out because, like I said, I was raised in Louisiana, uh, in New Orleans, and I was raised a hardcore Catholic. I mean, the nuns with the, the rulers that used to beat you and stuff of Catholic. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not making light of this. I've got myself in trouble a few times. And I am a believer that there is a, a God and a super being out there, whatever we want to label it, creator, whatever there is. I don't have a problem with that. I just have a problem when people limit the creator to us. Uh, That would be like limiting us to the Model A car. Uh, You just can't do that. I mean, he, he, she, or it, and I'm going to say it that way because I really don't know, uh, is a super being. It's far beyond anything that we'll ever understand in millions of lifetimes from now. Uh, So trying to to take the creator and saying, okay, you can only do this, "Mm," see, I would consider that a sin. Uh, If you're a religious person, that's what I would consider that. Uh, But to each his own. I mean, that's what this is about. And And like I said, you've got to do what is right for you. Absolutely. Like
0: yes, absolutely. And we're talking about, you were talking about um, people turning to witchcraft, turning to magic. And that's a normal response or religion. That's a normal response because a person has experienced something that to them feels out of control. And so what they're trying to do is find some kind of power, some kind of control over an uncontrollable situation. And I can very easily understand why uh, someone with a extensive Religious background would look at this as demonic, and I don't find any. There's what can you say? There's nothing you can say. We're talking beliefs and experiences here, so we right. have to respect individuals along those lines, right? Um, uh, you know. So I man, I thank Peter very much for the call and for his input because uh, again, it's easy. And look, we can't ignore through history hundreds of hundreds of years of history where uh, people claim. To have demonic experiences, and if we look at it through the eyes of an abduction researcher, some of those demonic experiences do sound like alien encounters. It does,
3: it does, and, and some of them probably are. But you know, if 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 your belief in in, in whatever your belief, because I don't want to isolate anybody's religion, I know we were talking about Jesus, but I don't want to isolate anybody. If your re, if your belief in your Messiah is strong enough to make this either go away or or at least hide it from you. It's worth it.
0: It's worth it Let's if it's working. It. Absolutely. It's it. I mean, if it's working it, it, for you. And if
3: it, and if it's not, well, you can always contact one of us. Or you know, and this is this is a funny story, but a good friend of mine, who's a good friend of mine now, he's a theology teacher. He's a Baptist pastor, is what he is, and uh, he's, he goes by Southern Cross we used to argue about this i mean he'd peel the paint off the wall argument about this and one day there was a group of people in the in the support group and he was listening to him talk and he was like man i've been wrong i can't believe this so i'd since then him and a bunch of other his, his fellow theologians actually teach now that there is life other than us that that the creator created more than just us and that we're all just children of god which Is very open minded uh, for what he does. I mean, what he is. So, and you know, the Catholic Church now has come out. I mean, Father Malducci, who I met in D.C., Paul Harris was translating for him. He was, he was interesting, but since then you've had astronomers from, come out. They, they all believe, you've even had the Pope make mention of extraterrestrial life. So even religion now is starting to understand that yes, we're probably not it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that God created way more than just us. He created stuff before us, he's created stuff after us, or maybe maybe better yet, maybe he created or she created the universe the universe itself is omnipotent it's alive and maybe we're just parts of it broke off trying to figure itself out mm-hmm. uh, there's no telling you
5: know, and that's
3: why i tell people don't label it just learn and and hope you you understand something before you die because it's confusing people and and faith is a hard thing when you when you're brought up in the society we live in today it's a hard pill to take because man having faith in most things today just doesn't seem to work out real well
0: yeah, well on uh line looks like line two you're on the air with joe montaldo welcome to the program hello hello hi you're on the air hello, hello? hi you are on the air hey how are y'all doing tonight oh it's been an interesting night so far how are you
4: good this is kevin from ohio i've had a lot of abduction experiences oh, yeah. Cool.
0: yeah i know uh, kevin uh or at least i'm familiar with him he has had extensive uh experiences go right ahead kevin yeah
4: oh, yes So uh, yeah. i think most, most of a lot of my uh experiences you know from my early childhood to teenage years was with uh reptilians and they've they've uh, they've been kind of forthcoming with me with some information i'm just kind of curious mm-hmm. if you've had heard of some of this too, and then I'd like to go ahead and make a statement about something they told me in regards to all these different Ah, reptilian groups that... all right. First thing is, a lot of the reptilians, when they gave me their individual names, a lot of them were Hebrew type names, like Malachi. One was, you know, one one of the the reptilians told me his name was Ezekiel, which is a variation of Ezekiel. And I've met others. There's a few others that I actually don't remember at the moment, but they sounded. You know Hebrew to me, and I'm wondering if you've heard anything about that.
3: There's a uh, there should be eleven Middle Eastern Hebrewish type names that we know of uh, that are, are general. Well, belongs to them. They they introduced the names into our society, but they were introduced as as how can I say this uh, lower deities. It's it's hard to explain. It's it's they they were accepted. They were accepted as kin and family, even though they were different, but. They considered them not—I don't want to say a lesser deity. They just—they just considered them to be above humans, but not above God. If that makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah, um, but they did consider it family lines. Yeah, they did. They, they, there's eleven names that I've heard. There may be more, but as far as I know. There's been eleven of those names. They said they brought those here to us. We didn't give them to them. They actually brought them here. Uh, whether that's true, that's anybody's best guess. But I have that heard is, it before. That is interesting
4: because they because I asked them why are your names sounding so Hebrew, and they told me that you know they got their they got uh, their names from them.
3: Yeah, Ooh. it comes from their family lots. Oh, yes. Um, yes. See, they're they're much different than we in the fact that. They have generational memory. So each generation, they pass the memory down from the father, the mother, the grandfather, so on and so forth. What's interesting about that is reptilian contactees have that memory. Most of them can't um, access it, but some can So some get information like that. And then some of them, it freaks them out because when you have generational memory, it's like you experienced it. So as far as you're really, your mind's concerned, like a matrix, as far as your mind's concerned, you actually experienced it. Even though you didn't, and I don't mean you personally, the contact, you didn't actually experience this. This was like maybe great-great-grandpa this happened to. Great-great-grandpa reptilian it happened to, actually. But they still have that genetic memory, which I find most interesting. And it it, it comes out in some and not in others, but they get different gifts. Because the, 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 out of all the species that here are abducting and aggravating us, we're most like the reptilians, both in build, attitude, and religion. We are really close to them in the way we behave, the way we act. Out of all the races that visit here, if you had to pick one of the four or five, they're the ones we we act and emulate the most. Uh, And yes, they're much more, they can live much longer than we can, and they have much more advanced technology, but that's only because they've been around for 300 to 700 million years, depending on who you believe. So yeah, of course they're going to be more advanced, and that's just simply from being here this long they made advancements. and uh but they're they're very strange in the way they do it and they do have a strange hierarchy and they can be kind and gentle and vicious at the same damn time so be careful is all i can tell you man yeah they're, they're great to be around because they, they do like to share information because they consider you kin so they don't mind sharing with you right but but at the same time if you push the wrong button ask the wrong question you may find yourself they won't kill you anything but you may regret
0: well I still wouldn't question. be on the wrong I would not want to be on the wrong side of a, of a reptilian um, Kevin you said you wanted to share something else that they had yeah, told you uh, I'm dying to yes. hear what that is
4: I've actually asked them, I've actually asked them, I actually asked this to a mantis being that was with a a group of reptilians, and I asked them why, you know, there's all all these other aliens that, you know, engage in all these uh, savage acts, you know, like brutal uh, pain techniques and, you know, rape-type techniques and stuff like that, and they told me that there's a lot of negative groups that like to use, you know, fear, fear control as a power element, because they want to, you know, take power away from uh you know, different other different groups that are operating here on Earth, and they and that and also there's other different groups that even abduct other aliens. Oh, and use them for
2: slaves.
3: Oh, oh. well, the grade actually that's that that's what the black eye all these people with the black eyed children. That's actually what they are. They're they're basically us. From another planet that's being taken by the greys. They actually work with the greys just like our keepers do. They get abducted just like we do. Technologically, they're around the same level we are, and that's why they're seen with us sometimes because they're with a grey during an abduction. Um, it's not the only race either. On board the, what they would call the grey mothership, there's a bunch of different species on board. They're just not allowed to visit here. Um, they really limit who can come down to our planet, mainly because I think people that are closer to our realm of technologies may get themselves in trouble down here. Uh, whereas the grades, reptilian humans, they're far older than we are, far wiser than we are, and frankly, look at us much differently than, uh, like, it, it's kind of like us when we, back in the day when we were looking at Africa, and we were bringing big cigarette lighters and things like that, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just different. Um, my god it's such a big gap it's such a big gap between them and us it's hard to understand a lot what goes on but the reptilians really do believe in rewarding their contactees and working with them and they don't mind sharing information but remember this they do do disinformation themselves. their cells so I tell all contactees this For, for every 10 things they tell you consider two truths and put the rest for research because that's usually how they do it um because they don't want you becoming too overly informed too quickly because you could become a problem down the line. Uh, they're, they're really kind of, how can I say this, they're just kind of stepping us a little bit at a time and heightening certain abilities a certain understandings. And by the way, I know somebody had asked me this earlier today, uh, would they stop a nuclear war? No, they will not.
0: Yeah, according to data. yeah, according to what yeah. I know, uh, extraterrestrials are not going to step in and save us. Yeah, because
3: they clean up the planet. Nope, for them, clean up a nuclear waste planet is not a big deal. For us, it's a major catastrophe. For them, it's not. They, it's something they can do, and it's something they have the technology to do fairly readily. So, hmm. if we're stupid enough to forfeit our planet, then somebody's going to get a nice, pretty planet. But frankly, and and a lot of us agree with this. This planet originally belonged to the reptilians. They're the ones who had control over this planet. 60 million, 100 million years ago, they were the inhabitants of this planet. They probably formed the Draco colonies from this planet. Um, So, you know, and we know for 300 million years we had reptilians running all over the place. Yes. So it was a great time for them to evolve, and and we've seen many, many pictures of what people considered uh, evolved, uh, different types of dinosaurs that have been evolved forward. So... It's not beyond the realm that they, from here, they're native to this planet. They probably left 60 million years ago when everything else went kaboof. What's interesting about this, and we kicked this around a little bit, here's a theory that mainstream ufologists don't like to talk about, but something different. So you've you, it looked like there was a planet five times the size of Earth between Mars and Jupiter, which is gone now. What's interesting about that, it's a big asteroid field. So, Earth, Mars, and Venus all had a major catastrophe somewhere between 55 million and 63 million years ago. Now, before that, all three planets were inhabitable planets, according to our own science. Venus's upper atmosphere, in case you don't know, ladies and gentlemen, is identical to Earth's, which means at one time, its atmosphere was just like ours. The planet itself was a lot like ours, with an average temperature somewhere of about 110, 120 but still bearable for humans. Mars' temperature was around 75, 80 degrees, about 73, I think is what they say, and then there was Earth. All three of these planets would have And then something happened, and all three got wiped out. Well, look at the tall, skinny greys. They would be perfect for Mars. That's what a race would look like that grew up on Mars. Big eyes, because of low sunlight. Uh, their bodies would be taller. They probably wouldn't have bones. They'd probably have cartilage, because they would be around, move around faster, jump higher, move quicker humans like us evolved on venus would be tougher stronger more powerful and reptilians were evolved on earth and then where the hell did we actually come from
0: yeah, well are that's we a just, question i've been trying just, to answer for a long time uh, on the so program
3: odds are yeah you know, odds are we were created by the human aliens as a slave race, not us, but a race real close to us. and According to all the ancient stories, the reptilians came in, stole the women, the women had children, those children were different, and then there was a revolution. And then basically humanity took its own destiny, or we think we took our own destiny back over. I don't want to say we did for sure, because they may have just let us. So. But at some point, we rebelled. They they went to living in the shadows, and we became the main inhabitants of the planet. But prior to Christ, you can see in every ancient culture them talking about the reptilians, the humans, these deities. And, and what's funny is Christ and the greys showed up around the same time. Um, and I'm not making a comparison. It's just when we started seeing hieroglyphs of graves was between 2000 and 2500 years ago which is around the time of Christ. Of course all these dates may be stretched out more because we don't really actually know what our true history is but um, it's just weird because before that you hear about these big human type things and these reptilians and that's all you ever heard them talk about and then all of a sudden here comes the graves and then all of a sudden here comes the second coming and everything changes. Before that reptilians were worshipped his great to you. the bringers of life, the bringers of of health, the bringers of fertility. And then we had a switch uh, after the birth of Christ, and uh, we stopped worshiping the reptilians, started worshiping man, and then we all got confused about which alien is which. Um, I don't know, but like I was saying earlier, the reptilians themselves, as far as humans go, we're the closest to them. I mean, you know, they, we're it's basically the same bodies. Basically the same heads, except they got ridges on them. They're just bigger than us, uh, all the way around. Uh, but still, well, I- uh, they 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 look like they belong on this planet. We look like we our bodies are a little frail for our planet. We look like we should come from a two third g or uh, or half a g environment. Uh, human bodies are, are made for a different optimal temperature. I think. Seventy-five degrees Fahrenheit, and it's a little hotter on Earth. Our biological clocks are twenty-four and a quarter hours. Our planet's twenty-three and three-quarters hours. None of it makes any sense. Yeah, you know, I, I, so it. I've ta- it suggest that we yeah, we got an ancestor somewhere. Sorry, I'm going to cut you off.
0: Well, it's all right. I, I've talked about this before, uh, but I just wanted to thank Kevin for the call. Uh, thank you very much for the call. This is the first time I'm ever hearing of uh, aliens abducting other aliens, but it does make sense if you really think about it. Um, and we are coming up on a break, but uh, over here on line four, are you there? Are you? Hello? Hi, you're on the air, but look, I do have to take a break, so will you hang on the line uh over the break for me and yeah. we can get you on the air when we come back? Yes. All right, all right. That is exactly what we'll do. Uh, because we do have a break here. So everybody on the line that is on the line right now, hang the hang out exactly where you are. Don't go anywhere, because I can get you on the air. You might have a few calls ahead of you, but we can get you on the air with Joe Montaldo and Boy, it sure is quite a night, isn't it? My God, Joe is just a fountain of information. We'll be right back, everybody. Well, let's get right back to it. Shall we? Joe Montaldo is here, and like I said, he is absolutely a fountain of information. My God, I could have him on every night for an entire week, I'm pretty sure. Uh, So, welcome back to the program, Joe. Yeah, it would be. Uh, So, let's get back to our caller here. Uh, Caller, you are back on the air, and welcome to the show. Go right ahead.
8: Uh, Good evening, Heather. Um, Well, um, back. In the 90s, I was I was driving down uh, a desert road, and I was seeing aircraft. It was flying really slow, really low, and I stopped. And I thought I could hit it with my spotlight and see the underneath of it. Mm-hmm. So I hit I it. I, I pulled a spotlight on my truck, and I hit the bottom with a spotlight. send I pulled the trigger on the spotlight, it disappeared. Oh. And when I got to my destination, there was time missing. How For much time? Two hours.
0: Two hours.
8: Two or three hours, and it didn't really click to me at the time until later on. You know, there was missing time, but I had somebody else with me too, and uh, you know, he he don't even like to talk about it, and when I can, you know, he just doesn't want to talk about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I had friends that saw a ghost with me, and they didn't want to talk even talk about that. I can imagine seeing a, a an extraterrestrial craft uh, is going to be that times you know <laughs> how many times It's going to be much more intense. Nobody's a lot of people actually, uh, especially family members, say that have that response. Oh, I don't. Even, we're not going to talk about that anymore. What happened afterwards? <laughs> did you remember any details about it?
8: I, I know. I I just remember seeing it. I remember you know the family member was with me and you know, clicking my spotlight on and, and as soon as I hit the trigger, you know, it it takes all the time to you know, come full bright and it, nothing.
3: We just gone.
0: Wow. Joe, have you ever heard of this before?
3: No, I mean we, we get crap all the time that'll be sitting there and disappear, but you made my point for me. People who don't see UFOs unless they're being taken. Um, usually, the UFO itself is a trigger memory. A lot of people want to call them cover memory, but cover memory is not an accurate description. It's a trigger memory. It's to let you know that something happened to you. They want you to look into whatever it is, whatever reason why. Um, maybe you didn't show enough fear on board the craft, or maybe you showed composure, and they decided to leave a little glimpse of what happened so that you can work on figuring it out. Remember, they don't want to make you crazy or nuts, so they want you to figure this out at your own pace. Usually, that's what UFO sightings are. They're trigger memories that let you know, hey, look, i just seen them and I, and I made perfect examples of these, like the Phoenix case. Four million people in Phoenix 15,000 maybe so. I don't think you can find that many. Mexico City case, 22 million people there. A million people saw it. What happened to the other 21 million? So it, it only seems to be people who are preconditioned for this, people who have been taken before. And remember, 90% or 98% of all contactees will never know they've been taken, ever. Uh, they will never be allowed to even remember anything that would let them think they had been taken because they're simply not mentally are ready for it. So usually what happens is, is doing one of your adductions, one of your pickups, you showed something to them that allowed them to say, okay, okay, well, you know what? This guy showed us something. Uh, Let's give him something in return. And that's what that is. It's to let you know you were taken and for you to seek the information or the answers. And to be honest with you, for the most part, if you find people who have had experiences and you just sit and talk to them, whether they're the same as yours or not, a lot of times it will help your experience to emerge without having to do hypnosis or any of the harder stuff. Most contact stuff, especially when there's trigger memories involved, There'll be surface memories that are much easier, much more easily accessed than you would realize just through talking to people. A lot of times something will trigger something or someone will say something that will make you think about something that will trigger something else and you'll start having bits and pieces. And it comes more coherent, but like I always like to say... Jim Sparks is one of the contactees who said he's got a, a good a good recollection of what happened to him. When you actually do the math on how long he had been taken versus how many hours he can talk about it, there's a discrepancy of literally hundreds, even thousands of hours. So we'll never we never get the whole piece of the puzzle. And if you, they've taken you for a hundred hours, they may give you an hour worth of memories. So you just got to remember that and, and just keep plugging away to see it. But more than likely, if you've seen any type of craft you were taking and you've, you've experienced missing time, so odds are uh, they put you back, but you remember the craft and said, okay, and then they wanna see where it's gonna go from that point forward. Mm. Uh, Because they might want you to be involved in the field. They might, like I said, they might want you to be a keeper, a communicator, or just a contactee who's helping other people on board the craft. Um, Remember, this is a much bigger program than people realize, so they are looking for human humans to be involved. It's it's like the black eyed children on board the other craft, that even here, those are aliens that have showed that they can work with both us and the grays uh, without letting them interfere, you know, with their personal well being and their personal beliefs. Uh, and that's the same thing. Keepers are human. Keepers are the same exact thing. So it's just a matter of of letting them know that you're willing to
0: understand. If uh, that mean that what you want. You know,
3: <laughs> if that's
0: what you want. I mean, I
3: be sure it's what you want.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, be sure. Uh, but I understand how some people would fight back. Also, uh, well, thank you very much for the call. Um, it just always is disturbing to me. Uh, look, I'm a I'm a regular person. Uh, the, the content of the program sometimes scares even me. Uh, Online, one, you're on the air with Joe Montaldo. Thank you for being patient. Welcome to the show.
2: Hey Heather, this is Tom from Florida.
0: Hi Tom.
2: Hey, how you doing? Just 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 hanging uh, hanging with my friends on uh, on the Fringe. All the right, Fringers.
0: Well, all right.
2: Apparently, yeah, apparently uh, Brian, who's uh, the leader of On the Fringe, he uh, celebrated a birthday on the first. So happy birthday to him! I think he he wanted me to say uh, I I don't know if he wanted me to say his age. I think it's he, he said, forty eight or something like that, but. Uh, uh happy baby.
0: birthday to him <laughs> <laughs> well all right and happy birthday uh what uh did you have a question for Joe tonight Tom? oh yeah
2: oh yeah of course um i wanted to hey joe how you doing sir um Pretty good great agent, show man. tonight all right um, i wanted to know uh, apparently I, I noticed over all, all, all of threat different times in history uh during significant events it seems like there's a lot not every event but there's a lot of uh different ufo sightings during historical events like the foo fighters during world war ii and and other events you know even astronauts landing on the moon claiming that they they saw what seemed to be uh vehicles uh observing them. And I wanted to see what you thought of the possibility of them possibly being time travelers, observing moments in history as one of the explanations. And I also wanted to ask you what you thought of the possibility of how many people that are considered uh, schizophrenic and claim to have these different experiences are telling the truth and having these real experiences, especially people that are in insane asylums. You know, they, they claim these things are happening to them, but nobody wants to believe them.
0: Mm-hmm. But, okay. uh, Both of those have crossed my mind, Tom. Uh, so I appreciate you calling to bring those up. Uh, Joe, what do you think? Tackle them one well, at a time there.
3: Start with the last one first. they, um, You'd be surprised how many people who are locked up thinking that this actually turns out to be real. What's funny about that is, is from time to time someone will write to me uh, who is who has been undergoing some type of treatment along the line, and I'll start talking to them and we'll correspond for six or seven months, and then all of a sudden I get a phone call, "Hey, thanks for your help. I'm out of the clinic. I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for your support." Told my counselor that blah blah blah. The other Blank for me, but Joe helped me out with this because he understood what I was going through and actually listened. We get, and, and, I, and I gotta tell you, I'll show up at conferences and I'll have people come up and hug my neck, or break the, all of us break into tears because they found someone that could talk to them. Other everybody else thought they were crazy. And it's not to say some of them aren't crazy because some of them are, but in that aspect, did the contact drive them crazy? Uh, See, so we don't know how many people that have had contact are actually in locked up and are Stark Raven lunatic, because of their contact.
0: It would. It would. Yeah, if anything's going to make you, you crazy, crazy, that kind of thing absolutely would set you off, right?
3: Oh, and then, if, dang, what was the first question? went right out of my head.
0: Psh, um, he was asking, stuff, uh, do you think extraterrestrials just might be time travelers coming back to the mm. past to view historic events?
3: glad you remembered that. They, um, it's funny, when I started doing this research, a lot of us thought that it's exactly what the greys were, were—were us coming back and checking on ourselves. We couldn't understand why some of the abductions were going on, but it's really what we thought. And of course, interstage left comes the greys and the human aliens. Well, they couldn't all three be us. So we were kind of like, ooh, wait a minute, now something, two and two is not making four here, it's making six. It's it's just not adding up. So in the beginning, yes, most of us, and even some researchers today still think that they are us from the future. But the problem is it it doesn't add up with everything else that's going on, not unless their abductions is to drive a particular direction of the human race as we move forward into the future, Uh, which anything is possible, but it doesn't seem that way because, the reptilian humans and the grays all tend to have different agendas. Even though there's some stuff seems to be similar, uh, they do seem to be running different agendas. Um, you know, everybody always writes to me, "Oh, well, they're using us for their emotionals, or they're using us for food, or they're using us." They're not using us for any of that. Um, any augmentation is to us, not to them. In other words, and what I mean by that is, everybody's like, "Oh, well, the grays interbreed." No grays don't want our DNA in there they worked really hard for millennia to get to the evolution they are today they're not interested in entering human DNA into where they are today now maybe if we evolve into a advanced race in a million years a billion years they might but not until then uh, what we see now is hybrids stuff that are, are being created out of us uh, types of humans that could live on other worlds other planets but still humans uh, that we may retain some of the gray reptilian and, and uh, human DNA from the human aliens, but it's still just us. Um, our bodies may be designed as more suited for 2G environments or 3G or, or different types of atmospheres, but it's still this human. That's really what that particular uh, program is about, but um, they really, how can I put this, They they really, when they, oh hell, see people old age, man, old age and lack of sleep. That's what it does to your brain. <laughs> I, that's,
0: think that's, you pretty right well, I think you pretty well I answered know, I the question uh, from your point of view there. So I appreciate it and I appreciate the call, Tom. Uh, we're going to head over to North American Skype right now. Uh, and, and, Joe, keep in mind, some of these people have called into the program an hour, hour and a half ago, and they have been just waiting oh, to get it. on the air with you. So here's, yeah, I,
3: uh, I, I know your pain. I, I know your pain. I've tried to get in on this show. I'll
0: give you a tip uh, when we get off the air on how you can get through the show uh, if you're trying to get okay. through. I love hearing from guests during an open lines program, but uh, we'll go to North American Skype and you are on the air with Joe Montage. Welcome to the show. Hi, it's Colby from Wisconsin. Well, hi, Colby. Thank you for being patient. Um, I was wondering, is there any
8: suggestions for discussing the subject with emotionally sensitive people?
3: Bring it up a little bit at a time. Actually, what I would do is I would introduce them to a, a little bit at a time, maybe through like a sci-fi movie that's, Abduction related or, or contact related, but that's not like a Whitley Strieber or, or Fire in the Sky type movie, something a little bit more light hearted, uh, something that could generate a conversation without adding stress, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Maybe uh, there's a couple things out there. Yeah, E.T. would be good. Yeah, E.T. would be good. It, it wouldn't be. It's kind of funny. You can even do Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It's a little intense, but it's not not heavy like, like Fourth Kind or anything like that. Those are much more intense abduction movies. But you can introduce them to something like that to get a conversation started, to just see how they feel about it or if, or if they've had any emotions about it. And some people and you'll talk to and you'll mention abductions and they'll get upset, probably because they are abducting. Uh, a lot of times people will get emotionally upset, emotionally strained, and emotionally extremely mad, but they have no reason or no understanding why they are. They're just, they're just mad uh, because you ask them a question or you said something about a contact, even though the person, as far as you could tell, had no interest in this subject matter at all, you just sent them into a tizzy. Uh, more than likely, it's because they're contact. Mm-hmm. They've had contact.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, it does make sense, though. Um, uh, all right, um, Colby, did you have any other questions? You've been holding for well, so this long.
8: Week, this weekend, my daughter and I kind of had a mutual time um, loss mm-hmm. in in this the discussion following. She was
0: the one who brought up aliens, but then she started freaking out. Oh, I see. How old is she? Nineteen. Nineteen. Okay, that's that's important. Uh, Joe? Yeah,
3: yeah that, that 19 is when some of the more nasty stuff goes on. Usually it starts around 12, 13, 14 and runs up to about 28, 29. If, if she's being taken, this is going on. What happened was they took both of y'all. You were more than likely there for moral support. Uh, or, or just support, I should say moral support, just support in general. Uh, because usually what they do, to, especially women at that age, is, is pretty harsh. Uh, there's a lot of breeding experiments that runs on right there. There's a lot of removing of ovaries, replacing with this, replacing with that, uh, removing of fetuses, putting fetuses in, taking them out. Um, you know, it used to be we get a lot of cases where gestation period was 90 days, and now it seems to be about 30. Uh, I, I'm not sure what's different, but that, that seemed to change as well. So, so you get cases like that, and, and in that case, she's the one going through traumatic stuff, uh, and you're there just so when they're done that there's a familiar face uh, and someone that can be talked to. That's why for you it's not it, it's not outward horrific, but for her it is. And it doesn't mean that it didn't happen to you when you were young. It may have, but in this case, they had you there to help her to come back to reality or, or to come back – without anxiety, or or at least a lack of some of the anxiety. Mm-hmm. But they really, they, they felt the need for you to be there. Because what happens is they don't have to take the mom like this. A lot of times they'll take kids and not take their parents, because sometimes it's emotionally uh, hard for the parent to see, the child, especially young children. Uh, it's hard for parents to, to see that. To do that but then some parents wanna be there because they know it's gonna happen anyway. Uh that you can't stop the contact so you might as well be there to help the child. So it varies but more than likely that's what happened. Can't prove it but that's probably what happened. Hmm. And uh she she probably had the experience and you were and you were there. Matter of fact It's interesting, it made me think about something earlier we were talking about when people are under regression or when they're being hypnotized, you'll hear a lot of times, you can hear the terror and the fear in their voice. Well, the same thing when you have groups of people saying they've been taken. Uh, Like if I were to regress both of y'all, her experience would probably be full of terror, yours would probably be somewhat scary but not full of terror because you are more of the watcher than the participation, not to mean that you haven't in the past. It's also other cases, some of the more famous cases, You'll hear, what well, is a couple involved. When you really listen to the regression tapes, you'll hear that one is much more emotionally invested than the other one is, which suggests one is a, is a watcher and one is a contactee.
0: Hmm. Wow. Uh, so. Wow. Well, I hope that that helps, Colby. Uh, and of course, as a regular listener to the program, uh, you've got a lot, you've got a pretty you know wide knowledge base to share with her um but i would follow joe's advice and start her off with with some not so scary extraterrestrial films and and then like joe said that'll get the conversation started uh in a place that's not so scary the fourth kind i wouldn't ever show her that movie uh just that's just my little opinion there uh, line 2 you're on the air with joe montaldo and welcome to the program
1: Thank you, Heather. This is the type of guest I really like. I love you, Joe. You're uh, a seasoned investigator, although you have made some opinions. Now, I want to
3: ask you a couple of
1: things. I beg your pardon?
3: No, I said I have made some opinions. I, I'm not real bashful about that. So go ahead.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I know that it comes from experience. Now, I want to. Uh, I want to. This brings to mind all these things. We we still don't know the full agenda, and I want to ask yeah. you a detail, a detailed answer about. Count me as one of the resistance. I don't know if I've ever been abducted, but I maybe I'm jaded because I've been hearing these stories for years. But uh, Daryl Sims is one guy that comes to mind who says you can fight back. And I've heard that, you know, weapons don't work and all, but do you think that maybe of all these people that you've interviewed, that maybe some of us are more, you know, I'm a resistance type of guy. I have been all my life. I don't like authority telling me to do the wrong thing. I don't know what their agenda is. I'd be willing to help if it was something would help. So I'm wondering if maybe people who are maybe into meditation, people who are into martial arts, uh, can you be uh, like you say you've? I, I've regressed people too. Uh, if you do hypnosis, could you then resist either the reptilians or the greys? Fight back and get them off of you, because I think some of us don't want this anymore. Any more than we want, you know, a bad politician to run our country. Well,
3: no, I agree. Be I mean, well, no, I agree that a lot of people don't don't want it. But the real problem is here. Is the difference between their mental understanding and ours? Uh, There's so much further along the evolutionary lines of, of, of everything that it's hard for us to really resist and the fact that we would like to consider resistance. Like in Daryl Sims' case, Daryl Sims never actually resisted. Him and I had this conversation many times, by the way. His son and his grandson are still being taken. He can't make them stop taking his son and his grandson and it makes him mad as hell, by the way. Uh, And they only quit taking him because they're taking his son and his grandson. They don't need to take him anymore. And him and I have had this conversation. He got mad as hell at me on air about this. And then him and I are actually friends and we've talked about this <laughs> repeatedly on several different times. And, and the thing about it is, is and it, when it comes right down to it and I asked him, he got mad and I asked him, I said, well, are they still taking your son and your, and your grandson? He said, well, yeah. I said, okay, now you proved my point for me. I said, they no longer needed you. They got the other two. I said, well, I take a big trouble pain in the butt when they can take the other two, which is not why they quit. It just the son replaced the father and the next son will replace the other father that's just how it goes Uh, they're stepping us up and each generation is is more telepathic and and more empathic than the previous one and also more intelligent so we are adjusting uh, to this but as far as trying to stop them not not in this lifetime Uh, give us another 10,000, maybe another 100,000, we might be mentally strong enough to start to resist. Our problem is, especially when dealing with the graves, they don't even use technology to, to, to cope with us. They use their own mental abilities. They're telepathic, they're clairvoyant, they're, they have telekinesis. Um, they just think and you're out. They think you're restrained. Uh, they don't even have to do anything. They just think about it and a human is just... Uh, So it's hard to resist against those kind of things because we're not mentally at that level yet. But we will be. Uh, But by then, they may have changed the way they deal with us. For me, it's odd because I look at it a little bit different than everybody else does. So originally, we were some little half-breed race, then the reptilians entered with us, so that gave us human DNA and reptilian DNA plus whatever the original species they used to make us. Then the greys enter, so now here we are basically with four four DNAs. Uh, Whatever the original progenitor species was, the human DNA, the reptilian DNA, and the grey DNA, it makes us a very special species of course right now we're aggressive and arrogant and like blowing stuff up and and we're like young stupid children and one day we'll grow out of that one day we may become the light beings in a billion years or a hundred million years and it might be why they're so interested in us evolutionary wise we may surpass our masters but not for a long time So our problem is is maintaining the planet without wiping it out, because they're not going to keep us from doing it, and still balancing our everyday life as if you're a contactee or what have you, and hoping. Uh, that we make it to a point where we can actually interact with him openly and not behind closed doors. Because a lot of contact is not bad. That's what people don't understand. A lot of contact is very benevolent, and there's a lot of good stuff in contact. And they teach contactees a lot of stuff. It's just, unfortunately, <laughs> they ain't always that way.
0: Yeah, well, like in my uh, MJ-12 document, there's a little line there that I find uh, darkly humorous. It just says, well, there have been a few unfortunate encounters. <laughs> Yeah, I guess yeah. there have been. Uh, well, Joe, I want to ask you just a little favor, uh, a little unusual, but I have several questions that came through the wormhole. Um, if, you know, just a handful. If I were to email you those, would you answer them? And then I can oh, give yes, those on answers over. on the air tomorrow night, something like that. Uh, it wouldn't uh, take you too much time, I hope. Um, but boy, yeah, this, over. this has been so much fun tonight. Thank you very much for the call there. And um, uh, if you if you want some time, I'd be happy to come on your show. Just let my producer know. Uh, I, that would be uh, that would be a hoot, man.
3: Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I actually told Michelle when I talked to her earlier today. I said, look, for the next few weeks, I'll leave it open, and y'all can see which date you want. And uh, so I told her that I want to talk to her earlier today.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, just let her know what you want me to talk about, and I'll look forward to it. And I look forward to the next time that you come on the show. I mean, there's so much we can talk about. You gave me about four show ideas just in the conversation tonight.
3: Yeah, next time I'll use the other studio where it's quieter, too, so we don't have no weird hums going on.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure Evil Keith is uh, really thanking me for the hum on the line there. Uh, But it was a fantastic night, and I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, I'll look forward to coming on your show and uh, keeping up the good work. Just keep up the good work, man. And, And you know what? I'm going to have to keep a note here in my studio for when people call and they say, look, I want these abductions to stop or they need some help. I can refer them to you.
3: Oh, I appreciate it. The more the more the merit. and people remember, the more we learn, the easier it is to help everybody out, because at least we got an idea what's going on.
0: Right. <laughs> so, and the <laughs> only way we're going to figure this out is if everyone compares their notes from from investigator to experiencer. Right. That's right. Well, your website is ICAR1 with the number one, so that's I C A R number one dot com, uh, where people can look at what your group does, uh, look at uh, other people's experiences, maybe keep up with you. And is, is the questionnaire on your website?
3: Yeah, there's actually several questionnaires on the website, so feel free to, uh, Reptilian grays. there's about about 10 questionnaires, so feel free to go through them and and check them out.
0: All right, that's our show for tonight, everybody. Good night.
3: They're clairvoyant, they have telekinesis, they just think and you're out. They think you're restrained. Uh, They don't even have to do anything. They just think about it and a human is just... Uh, So it's hard to resist against those kind of things because we're not mentally at that level yet. But we will be. Uh, But by then, they may have changed the way they deal with us. For me, it's odd because I look at it a little bit different than everybody else does. So originally, we were some little half-breed race, then the reptilians entered with us, so that gave us human DNA and reptilian DNA plus whatever the original species they used to make us. Then the greys enter, so now here we are basically with four four DNAs, Uh, whatever the original progenitor species was, the human DNA, the reptilian DNA, and the grey DNA, it makes us a very special species of course right now we're aggressive and arrogant and like blowing stuff up and and we're like young stupid children and one day we'll grow out of that one day we may become the light beings in a billion years or a hundred million years and it might be why they're so interested in us evolutionary wise we may surpass our masters but not for a long time so our problem is, is maintaining the planet without wiping it out, because they're not going to keep us from doing it, and still balancing our everyday life as if you're a contactee or what have you, and hoping uh, that we make it to a point where we can actually interact with them openly and not behind closed doors, because a lot of contact is not bad. That's what people don't understand. A lot of contact is very benevolent, and there's a lot of good stuff in contact, and they teach contactees a lot of stuff. It's just, unfortunately, <laughs> there ain't always that way.
0: Yeah, well, like in my uh, MJ-12 document, there's a little line there that I find uh, darkly humorous. It just says, well, there have been a few unfortunate encounters. <laughs> Yeah, I guess yeah. there have been. Uh, well, Joe, I want to ask you just a little favor, uh, a little unusual, but I have several questions that came through the wormhole. Um, if, you know, just a handful. If I were to email you those, would you answer them? And then I can oh, give yes, those on answers over. on the air tomorrow night, something like that. Uh, it wouldn't uh, take you too much time, I hope. Um, but boy, yeah, this this has been so much fun tonight thank you very much for the call there and um, uh, if you if you want some time I'd be happy to come on your show just let my producer know uh, I, that would be uh, that would be a hoot man
3: oh yeah oh yeah I, I actually told Michelle when I talked to her earlier today I said look for the next few weeks I'll leave it open and y'all can see which date you want and uh, so I told her that when I want to talk to her earlier today
0: awesome awesome well just let her know what you want me to talk about and I'll look forward to it and I look forward to the next time that you come on the show. I mean, there's so much we can talk about. You gave me about oh, four yeah. show ideas just in the conversation
3: tonight. Yeah, next time I'll use the other studio where it's quieter, too, so we don't have no weird hums going
0: on. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Evil Keith is uh, really thanking me for the hum on the line there. Uh, but it was a fantastic night, and I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, I'll look forward to coming on your show and uh, keeping you. up the good work. Just keep up the good work, man. And And you know what? I'm going to have to keep a note here in my studio for when people call and they say, look, I want these abductions to stop or they need some help. I can refer them to you.
3: Oh, I appreciate it. The more the more the merit. and people remember, the more we learn, the easier it is to help everybody out, because at least we got an idea what's going on.
0: Right. <laughs> so, and the <laughs> only way we're going to figure this out is if everyone compares their notes from from investigator to experiencer. Right. That's right. Well, your website is ICAR1 with the number one, so that's I C A R number one dot com, uh, where people can look at what your group does, uh, look at uh, other people's experiences, maybe keep up with you. And is, is the questionnaire on your website?
3: Yeah, there's actually several questionnaires on the website, so feel free to uh, reptilian graze. There's about about 10 questionnaires, so feel free to go through them and, and check
0: them out. All right. That's our show for tonight, everybody. Good night.